Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the High Court for today. It is Tuesday, um, April 17th, 2018. Pardon that pause there. I just I, I wanted to make sure of a couple of things. I was looking at a monitor. I was looking at a couple of other things in front of me. Folks, if you're listening to this via BTR or Global Star, welcome. Uh, pardon that uh, little interruption there. And, of course, YouTube Live, uh, live streaming on YouTube Live. Now, we've got a fantastic show lined up for you. Uh, this first half hour, we're going to get into some specific news items, including but not limited to the narrative that's being formed with respect to Gorsuch and this uh, yeah. him siding with the libs in terms of this immigration loss. It's not what it appears to be. That's right. I would urge everyone to really kind of listen to this segment followed by Joe Hoft from the Gateway Pundit, co-founder with uh, his brother Jim, uh, talking about uh, really an extension of what we had explained yesterday. Big news with respect to the OIG report and how that all plays out. And then we've got Ellie Marzulli and Stan Dale. Uh, John is back from the West Coast, freshly back. As a matter of fact, he's going to be taking the, uh, uh, the second part of the show along with Joe. So it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a great show. But the, one of the things I think that, uh, is making the news and I think the mainstream media is attempting to really, uh, mess with this is what Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court supposedly deciding in favor of this liberal progressive agenda yeah. against conservatives. Yeah. Oh, everybody just their heads are exploding. But amnesty for illegal immigration. Yes. I saw this and, but guess what? I agree with Gorsuch. I agree I do with too. the Supreme Court on this. Uh, and what's the message here? It, in, in a sentence, Congress, do your job. Yeah. You know, let's it, make some distinctions as to what's been reported right. versus what the facts are. The Supreme Court Tuesday enacted new bars to deporting legal, legal immigrants, green card holders, citizens of this country, for crimes they've committed here in the U.S., saying that part of the law that set the level of criminal behavior deserving removal is too vague. So what did Gorsuch do instead? He says this that uh, Congress wants to make legal immigrants deportable for lower-level felonies. They can write those laws, uh, write those offenses into law, but they cannot use vague catch-all definitions to cover any serious crimes that aren't listed. It's not hard to tell what would qualify as a violent felony. They just need to write uh, which ones they mean. So all they're asking for, they're scrapping the language of the uh what pertain what what you can do to deport a legal immigrant who committed a crime by saying your language is too vague you need to define the crimes that you consider a serious crime and then you can deport them right they're just asking for a clarification of the law well and, and, and this goes back to what we have always stated courts don't make laws they, 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 simple, period, full stop, right there. The Supreme Court does not make law. Contrary to what Obama and, and even all of the globalists, including and be preceding Obama, have done, the courts are making the laws. The Supreme Court making the law. No. 
It's Congress's job, Civics 101, to make the law. It is the Supreme Court's job to, um, uh, to, to address the, uh, the variances, the intricacies of the law and, and interpret the law based on the Constitution. So I believe in this case, when you see the, uh, so-called conservatives now, because we know where the progressives stand. But when yeah. you see the so-called conservatives, their heads exploding, saying, "Oh, look at this!" You know, yeah, it's a loss to Donald Trump. No, it, it's it's a demand that Congress do their job yep. and end the story. In, in the opening of Judge Gorsuch, uh, on his opinion, he says, "Vague laws invite arbitrary power." Uh, bingo. Before the revolution, the crime of treason in English law was so capaciously constructed that the mere expression of a disfavored opinion could invite transportation or death. The founders cited the Crown's abuse of pretend crimes like this as one of their reasons for the revolution. And it goes on from there, but you get the gist. Vague laws invite arbitrary power. And we see these vague laws in many other areas of our criminal justice system, which are continuing to, are continuing to grow and uh, target other people, like we see with the hate speech laws in Europe and whatnot. They are very vague and uh, seem to be only one-sided. But this is a constitutional decision. And these are protecting the rights of legal immigrants here lawfully. So I have no problem. Uh, if it were me, uh, I would want a clarification as to not be deported for, you know, let's say uh, running a red light or uh, DUI versus, uh, you know, somebody who rapes and murders. Obviously, those crimes are serious crimes. But define what is a serious crime. Don't let an officer or, or an immigration agent or a federal prosecutor decide that that your crime is a serious crime because you want to deport it that's not fair it needs to be laid out and each crime they define as serious misdemeanor or felony needs to be uh, defined and addressed and labeled and that's all they're asking for so it really wasn't uh, a win for illegal immigrants it had nothing to do with illegal immigrants it wasn't even a a win for uh for any side except the constitution and uh, the truth so uh, exactly. There shouldn't be any more debate on this subject. Right. And it's interesting that we're seeing now cities that are fighting back, communities, uh, municipalities fighting back against these sanctuary, sanctuary cities in California. When you look at this and you, and you start looking at what's, what's taking place, wow. Okay. Now, now you're, you're, by definition, I suppose, you've got some, would this not be kind of considered a civil war or at least the the uh the, the run up to a civil war uh you the what the globals have done in this country the at, at the hands of obama and i'm not going to give a pass to george w bush or george h w bush or clinton what they have done is really create the environment today where you've got cities against states, states against the federal government. You've got the laws as defined that are so, as Joe said, capricious and arbitrary that, uh, that when it gets to the Supreme Court level, there's dissension there as well. You, what we're seeing is the whiplash back to a period, in my view, of law, lawfulness and law and order. So, all of this, when you consider Donald Trump, what he walked into, what he inherited, the the absolute anarchy, at least again, this is in my view of of, of what was set up. 
it, it's almost as if the country has accepted this lawlessness for so long when law and order and, and, and the adults take charge and the sensibilities come back well it's like oh my goodness we're in chaos but we're really it's it's writing this ship and I and I liken it to this an aircraft carrier if you're going to turn an aircraft carrier you don't do it on a dime it's not a speedboat you you don't do it at full speed either exactly so you've got to you've got to navigate and consider and, and I'm going to use this example in some things I'm working on you know the aircraft carrier or the uh, cruise ship liner operating in a narrow channel and, and don't forget those narrow channels you might look at the and, and use this as a mental image you might look as you're navigating through a channel and you might look and maybe a mile mile and a half on both sides you've got seemingly water you know just nothing but water but underneath that boat underneath that ship I should say that channel might be only a third of what you see because so, so now you've got to navigate within a channel you've got to navigate within that that trench and understand that on both sides of the ship there there's rocky ground and you've got to turn and you've got to you know so, so it's not us I guess that's the mental picture I wanted to create for you. So a good show lined up for you. Bottom of the hour, Joe Hoft, and you've got to check out gatewaypundit.com. Joe Hoft, uh, a great man, Jim Hoft's brother, uh, co-founder of the Gateway Pundit, the, uh, to, to expand upon the OIG, the Office of the Inspector General's report. Jim, with, with respect to, uh, uh, the, the uh, Lynch aspect of things and the involving the Wiener emails. Yeah, Jim Hoft and Joe Hoft and the Gateway Pundit have been a huge uh, asset in this fight to defend and protect this country against this onslaught of uh, this liberal insanity media attack that we see and also the attacks against the president and the cover-up and and corruption of the DOJ and FBI for Hillary Clinton. And they have been on the front lines and uh, have been improving not only their site but the content by bringing on people like Josh Kaplan uh, who, who's a very smart friend of the show. And we see uh, more and more of these uh, sites that are getting it right on the money, that are telling the truth uh, unfiltered, regardless of what the media says, regardless of the oppression and uh, censorship they face, regardless of the lawsuits launched against them. And it is so important that we continue to work with and showcase people like Jim and Joe Hoff. Absolutely. And that's the other thing too. In the, in this honest media environment, we've got to stick together. I, I'm seeing fractures everywhere. Eric the Tech, myself going to DC, looking behind the scenes, seeing so, so many things take place and really kind of assessing the situation, coming back and looking at the, the landscape with respect to the, uh, the, again, the, this, this platform under which we operate. Um, but but the entirety, you, you look around and you see well-intentioned, well-meaning, good hard, uh, good-working investigative journalists who are working their butts off, and, and and there's a fracturing nonetheless within the community, it, whether it be by ego or whether it be by um, differences. Yeah, sub, yeah, it's crazy. So what we need to do, and, and this is a call to all of the um, all of the independent media. 
people like Joe and Jim Hoff, Gateway Pundit, you know, when they, when they're under attack, we have to have a rapid response team to make sure that, that we support them and, and it's, a, there's a mutual aid to pact among the people who are truly attempting to get to the truth. Yeah. And, and here's a statement I'm going to make too. And listeners. Go uh, ahead. Listeners included and, uh, we need everybody's support when, when we, uh, we come under attack. But I don't know, did you listen to our daily show today? Cause we talked about where you're going, this road you're going down and the need for organization. Right. One of the things the left is so good at, despite their message of, of just being, uh, you know, pure evil, uh, and perversion, they have organization, they have money and they have the people and the networks put together to be able to do what they do. We on the, on the conservative side, we on the Christian side, uh, we on the right, we lack that organization because of these rifts and because of these exactly. P- p- plus, they are demanding that we play by a set of rules that they don't play by, and and this is not just again, this is not just the progressive lunatic liberal mindset, the the, the progressive fascist mindset. This is infiltrating into the conservative side of things, folks, and, and we, we've got to recognize this for what it is. This is a whole different war than it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. The censorship aspect, man, I warned you guys, and, I, and, I, and, and it's still there. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all of these uh, entities attempting to erase uh, uh, Christian and conservative thought. They're not playing by the rules. And and, and you know, I, I see Christians especially, but conservatives as well, saying, "Well, you know, it's uh, as Christians we have to play by the rules." No, we don't. We're being thrust into a battlefield where there are no rules. So, if that's the case, don't don't do not, at least in my view, and you you feel free to to differ, to differ with me on this. If there are no rules, and uh, because simply because I'm a Christian or because I'm a Christian conservative, you expect me to play by a specific set of rules? No, I'm sorry, that's out the window. In my view, it's gone. But by the way, I do want to mention that uh, one thing that uh, that we depend on, of course, is support. We thank you, listener support. We thank you so much. But another part of the support is uh, uh, partnering up with different companies like Whole Tones. And they really offer a fantastic product. I want to tell you something. When Eric and I went to Washington, D.C., and we traveled, we were traveling in, in, in the car, and uh, you've got all kinds of stresses. We turned, in part, to Whole Tones. And let me, let me explain this to you, folks, because this, to me, is so important. As... As the globalists, as the people are manipulating what we hear, our frequencies, you're, we're just getting inundated with 5G, all of the stuff, the, the stuff that goes through our heads and our minds and our bodies, the, the sounds, the frequencies. How, how do you fight back or how do you protect yourself or how, it'd be better yet, what do you do to help yourself? Music. It's one of life's greatest pleasures. It's got a tremendous power, the power to bring, yes, a tear to your eye. Yes, it's got the power to quiet a racing mind. But music also has the power to heal. And it's been through, it's been used throughout the ages to treat depression, to create energy, to induce sleep, to relieve chronic pain and stress. And now, Michael Terrell has created whole tones. You know about this, but we have experienced it, and I gotta tell you, this works. Especially in the environment in which we're fighting today. Uh, 
in which we live today. Michael Terrell has created Whole Tones, the Healing Frequency Music Projects. Now, these frequencies, these are biblically based. They were created and studied in the music of King David and believed to have astounding healing benefits. Now you can benefit from this revitalized ancient healing of therapeutic music simply by listening daily to the music in the comfort of your own home, your car, your office. We got it here in the office studio and our homes my home my wife she loves it 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 puts her to sleep when necessary my office energizes revitalizes me look reward yourself with the gift of healing and transformation you've got to do this don't miss this opportunity we're giving you an opportunity now now listen up you get an absolutely free sample of this music so that you can begin benefiting right away. You get to support this show. Go to wholetonesfree.com and get a free sample of these soothing, relaxing, revitalizing musical tones. Let me give you this URL again. And I really want you to go there and see for yourself what it will do for you, what it's done for us. And as as a side note, Lady, the studio dog, she absolutely is so responsive to this. And I could tell when something is, uh, real, uh, to, to me, when it's really good, when Lady the Studio Dog reacts, she does positively to this. Support the show. Go to wholetonesfree.com. Get a free sample of these soothing, relaxing, revitalizing musical tones. Go to the URL wholetonesfree.com today for your free sample. That's wholetonesfree.com, wholetonesfree.com. And I will say, that this has made a huge difference. Why do I, well, why did I spend that much time on this? We have to fight on all fronts. We have to protect ourselves on all fronts. We have to be the best that we can be on all fronts. Put this in your arsenal. Holtonesfree.com. That's holtonesfree.com. Alright, so, you know, now, again, support our sponsor, and thank you for your support out there. Because without your support, we, we, we could not do what we do. And, and right. this is kind of like a hybrid organization of, of, of how the support and the, by the way, prayers are always welcome, you know, and, uh, uh, appreciated your emails. We go through your emails. We go through your, your postal mail. And, uh, it's amazing to see the reach of this program, but more importantly, the amplification of your voices out there. What we get in emails and in postal mail, when we have meetings, we look at all of this and we discuss the various things and put into practice what you suggest or what you're, what's on your mind and we, we attempt to amplify your voice through what you, what you've given us. So thank you so much and you're giving us the opportunity to grow. You're going to see some things this summer, by the way. It's going to be remarkable. Eric the Tech has got some, working on some things. John's working on some things. Joe, and it's just, we're working on some things to really not just bring you the news, but make a difference. Now, oh, yeah. And the, and the plans Eric's been working on and the yes. changes that he's going to implement are going to be game changing as far as what we do here and our ability to do other things. And uh, it's really going to, I don't want to say rebrand, but it's going to bring a new level of energy to this show. And, and the changes are going to be uh, from the presentation to 
just all across the board. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, and here's the thing. I, I've heard from people. I've, heard, we, we have heard your voices. What in the heck was, what about Uranium One? What about the Hillary Clinton emails? What about Fast and Furious? Oh, and don't forget Benghazi, which is kind of a offshoot of Uranium One. When is, when is Congress or, or when are the investigators going to be investigating this and bringing people to account for this? Never. Well, there's don't, one, don't there's say one report. That. There's don't one report that. about a call for a second special counsel to oversee Lee Zeldin controversies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Zeldin or yesterday. Report. Now, I was going to play that 18, it's an 18 minute, 18 and a half minute long, uh, speech. And Lee Zeldin goes, the congressman goes through all of the different issues. It does a nice job of, of summation. But look, here's what we need to do. Here's what our purpose is against the fight of censorship, against the fight of incoming flack, against the fight of the dupes and the mopes at sites like Right Wing Watch, fighting against those, fighting against the disinformation, in my view, and misinformation put out by Snopes and by Right Wing Watch and by Slate and other... Again, this is my personal opinion, which has not yet been outlawed, by the way. Um, so, against that flack against the Kyles of the world who believe in this, who live in a bubble and believe that, uh, um, you know, that the, the, that Pedigate and Pizzagate is some sort of, of fantastical uh, made-up conspiracy theory and that we're kooks. Okay, tread, by, by the way, tread lightly as well when you hear about, well, potential drops of Clinton videos and such. Yeah, that's because it's a, really circulating. Yeah, nobody can tread say carefully. that Nobody... Well, we'll look, say that it resides on the it. dark net. There I've is a video. Seen it. I've seen it. Or I've, no, I shouldn't say I've seen it. I, let me just pull that back. There is a video, but yeah. is it? Can you tell if it's who they say it is? In the well, video? that's my question. But more, we'll, we'll there's no way you can authenticate that, right? At this point, and and but 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 what Joe Hoft is going to talk about, Joe, and, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Is this what Joe Hoft is going to talk about? Is the spinoff from last night from Tracy Beans, which she did, and, uh, and I would urge everyone to go back and listen to what Tra- Tracy Beans said. Follow her on her video channel. She's working on today on Cohen, which, by the way, I, I could talk for hours on that. You know that, that, that the the lunatic left, their heads are exploding because Sean Hannity is a client of Cohen, or. Okay, there's, in, there's in a problem their, here. In their definition, go ahead. He was unmasked. The uh, the judge, federal judge who oversaw the George Soros wedding in 2013, Kimbo Wood, uh, he's the judge presiding over the Michael Cohen issue. Now, the judge ruled that Cohen had to state right. who yep. his other clients were because the the federal government, uh, you know, did a, a hit piece against Cohen. Uh, stating that he's barely a lawyer because President Trump is his only client and he doesn't have any emails corresponding with the president about legal uh, work, so he's probably not doing much legal work at all for the president. But anyway, they... What, what business is right, it of, uh, right. what business is it of theirs? It's not. I would tell them to pound salt. And like we said yesterday, a man of, of Donald Trump's stature, a, a multi-billionaire real estate tycoon... I would expect he had at least one to five lawyers who worked solely for his interest. But what they did with with Cohen here is uh, they unmasked 
Sean Hannity. One of the Cohen's lawyers listed Sean Hannity as a client for Cohen. Now, Hannity has come out and said that he has never paid Cohen, and Cohen has never represented him in any legal matter, and he's never paid him a retainer. But what he has said is that he sought advice pertaining to real estate. Never anything formal as far as I want to hire you and I want your advice. I guess you'd call it friendly legal advice or a relationship. How many people know no attorneys? And, and, right. You know, might toss them a few bucks and just say, I got, I got an issue I'm not sure about here. But what's the deal? Why are people calling for Hannity to be fired over this? Okay. And this is something Dershowitz had, uh, had made He's a thing about. lying about this. What else could he be lying no, about? No, no, no. You know that's what? what Dur- well, okay, that's that, that's an extrapolation of what of what the exchange was. And I watched the exchange, and i got to tell you, Peter Barry Chalka, by the way, follow his writings, uh, whether it be on Hagman Report, hopefully there, or American Thinker. But look, everyone un- understands that they're after Sean Hannity. They want to take Sean Hannity down. And this is one of the ways they're doing it. They're calling for his firing because, as Dershowitz indicated, well, Sean, you really should have been ethical and said that you were a client. Uh, when you're reporting on the raid on Cohen, you should have said you were a client of Cohen's. Like hell. You know, if you... I'm going to tell you something right now. Hang on a second. I'm going to tell you something right now, okay? Because I deal with attorneys. I've got law firms. Because of uh, because of the attempts to shut this this corporation down, the buck stops with me. I deal with law firms. If I if I talk to an attorney or bring an attorney on, there's no way in, in hell I'm going to say, well, uh, uh, you know, I'm a client. It's right. none of anyone's right. business, and by God, it's not the media's business. No, in this he shouldn't case. have to disclose it to the public, to the to the public audience, the audience of Fox News. It is none of their business. And I saw the issue they made. Well, Sean, you had Michael Cohen on your show. You interviewed him sixteen times in the last uh, year, and never once did you mention mention that he was your attorney. But he never was his attorney. There has been no proof establishing that. Hannity had ever hired him, paid a retainer, been represented in a court of law or otherwise by Michael Cohen. So what was there to disclose? And even if he was his lawyer, still doesn't have to disclose it. As you said, it's not the business of the public. All right, we are coming up against our break. When we come back, the founder of Gateway Pundit, Joe Hoft, brother of Jim Hoft, he's going to be joining us to talk about this OIG report and what details it uh, shows on a number of issues from the corruption inside the DOJ and uh, many other things pertaining to the Robert Mueller investigation and the Trump presidency. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Joe Hoft from the Gateway Pundit right after this. This is the Hagman Report for Tuesday, April 17th, 2018. You know, just I want to share something with you. You you know how we get so busy. My wife is busy in the office. This is a family operation. My wife is so busy in the office. I've been busy. I was in D.C. and such, and we were just going back and forth. I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, think about this. 
Some might say this is sad. I, my wife and I agreed this is comfortable. We both forgot our anniversary. Both forgot our no. marriage. Yeah, we both forgot. Wait, our marriage when was it? Yesterday? No, 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 no. My, our anniversary was a week ago, Saturday on the seventh. The twenty-sixth. As, as a matter of fact, I got married at the same place as Art Bell did, within within. I'm not going to get into it, but is it 26 uh, years? It is 27 year 27. years. 27. Oh, okay, 27 wow. years together. Well, congratulations. Yeah, and uh, but but I call that comfortable, okay? Because uh, and we, you know, look, I love my wife to death, and and we have a great relationship, and uh, we laughed about it. But see, every day, every day, we celebrate our time together. It's not just, it's not just one day out of the year. It's every day out of the year, and that's and and I do I do hope that our listeners have that relationship with each other, you know, with your with your spouse. But anyway, uh, what caught our attention this past weekend, of course, it began with Tracy Beans, and it's now going through Gateway Pundit. And uh, what's what's better than Jim Hoft? What's better than a Hoft running uh, the Gateway Pundit? It's two Hofts. Okay, it's Joe Hoft. He's a Fortune two hundred, uh, Fortune two fifty corporate executive based in Hong Kong, and an author and a contributor at one of America's largest political websites. You all know it, GatewayPundit.com. It's run by Joe's identical twin brother, Jim. Now, Joe, who's joining us from Hong Kong, his online posts at the Gateway Pundit have made headlines at Drudge Report, perhaps the largest website in the world with more than, what, almost a billion and a half hits monthly. His posts have also been listed uh, as top stories on the Internet by, uh, what is it, Memorandum.com. Joe has accurately identified predicted events in the 2016 campaign. His posts during the 2016 presidential election uh, projecting Senator uh, uh Oh my goodness, uh, I'm trying to think back here. Uh, Ted Cruz's pending collapse at the end of April ended up being spot on. So, I, I could sing Joe Hoff's praises for the entire show and still understate his effectiveness, his reporting abilities. The Gateway Pundit is necessary show prep. Folks, if you, if you have not bookmarked the Gateway Pundit, and if you don't follow Joe Hoft and Jim Hoft, you're missing out essential, essential stuff. Now, that brings us to this. Joe Hoft wrote about this bombshell Office of Investigator General report uncovered, developed by Tracy Beans. And it seemed like we were all kind of working on this. Tracy had notified me. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, my goodness. So I started looking at it, and then it just blew up, went viral. And here is Jim or Joe Hoft carrying the, the, the football across the goal line with the latest at the Gateway Pundit with that from Hong Kong, Joe Hoft. It's great to have you. Great. Thank you. I'm yeah, thrilled to be here. Honored. Thank you. Well, you know, we're tickled to death to have you. You're, uh, I don't know what time it is in Hong Kong. What time, can, I, can you tell me? What time is it? Yeah. Well, right now, there's a 12 hour time difference. So it's Wednesday morning. We're just starting our day here in Hong Kong, 7.30. Okay. Well, thanks for getting up early. Since it's a day, since it's a day later, do you mind telling me what our lottery numbers are? Never mind. That joke, I guess, getting old. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, all right. So, Joe, uh, man, again, you hit, you hit this home. You dissected this story, this, this, um, huge major scandal uncovered internet sleuths put together bombshell hidden in Friday's yeah. DOJ IG report. Let's talk, brother. Yeah, yeah, well, let's do that. Thanks again for having me and happy anniversary. Thanks. Um, it's been uh, fun to just listen in here uh, the last 15 minutes. So um, let me tell you a couple things, really. First of all, about the Gateway Pundit, that's uh, my twin brother Jim's website, as you guys know. He started this about 15 years ago when he was tired of the uh, uh, the uh, creepy media and how they were just so dishonest, slanderous, especially you know towards conservatives. So that's now become one of the biggest... Uh, websites in the in really in the world. He um certainly it's the biggest website in the Midwest. And uh he was really influential in the two thousand sixteen election and I that helps I help and I, I write for him when I can, but I've got a full time job in uh Hong Kong. I'm a corporate executive as you mentioned. I've been to I'm I'm, I'm an auditor by profession as well as a financial executive. I've overseen billions in uh in uh dollars and in entities that I've uh, worked for. I've um also uh, audited huge, uh, huge amounts. I've audited fraud. I see you're an investigator, so I think we're right. You know, we're talking uh, the same language. Um, been to audit committees around the world, presented to audit committees around the world, written reports for audit committees around the world. And um, so, I, you know, looking at this uh, IG report on Friday, I feel like I'm as qualified as about anybody to kind of scour through it and, and take a look. So that's what we did on Friday. Um, I could tell you um, there's been a question in both mine and Jim's mind. Is the IG going to be up and up? He's an, he's an Obama appointee. And there's there's some people who think, oh, he's going to come out with this damning report. And there's other people that, you know, that are a little bit hesitant. I am just because I know every single Obama touched is corrupt. You know, so. But uh, when I looked at the report Friday, which was just focused on, it was just really a slice, it looked like, of the work that he's done. Uh, it was it was the focus was on McCabe and what a scoundrel he was. And um in looking at that my assessment would be he did a pretty fair job. Um we'll see when the rest of his information comes out how well he does, but uh if if the rest is as probably well done as that then I think um it really, really could be damning towards the uh, uh towards the Obama administration, which it should be as you guys know. Well, um, Joe, if, if, yeah, if I can, if I can interrupt you here, because you, you raise a great point. Anytime we talk about Michael Horowitz and we talk about his current work that he's doing, you saw the investigative work product in, in uh, that one sliver with McCabe. What is your feeling and how do you respond to, yeah, he's an Obama appointee. What happened? Uh-huh. Did, did they, did they take the handcuffs off of him, basically? The investigative handcuffs yeah. or is there something? What's your take well, on it? That's a good question. And I actually wrote a piece here a month or two ago for Jim because I'm like, you know, all these people saying, oh, the IG is going to come out with this report. It's going to be totally damning. And I'm like, I don't know. I got to wait and see because he's an appointee for Obama. And quite frankly, what did he do while he was there? While Obama was in office? Did we hear anything about him coming out with some reports that, you know, that he should have? that would have freaking implicated Obama and, and his team and his cronies and these crooks in the FBI and DOJ, no. So that's one reason to probably suggest that mm, maybe this guy isn't on the up and up. Now, when I wrote that post, though, some people commented that said, well, here's the deal. Somebody commented this, and I don't know if there's truth to it, but they said Eric Holder, when he was in office, he changed the rules of the game, basically. He changed it to such that if you were in the DOJ or 
FBI or whatever it was specifically, if the 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 IG came, the Inspector General came, or his department came and asked for information, hold it, change it. You didn't have to give it to him. Now, if that's true, then I could see that this IG, you know, totally could not do his job. You know, I work at a Fortune 500 company. Everybody in the company signs a code of conduct every year, and and we sign and say. Part of that, and a piece of that, is that if an auditor comes to you and asks for information, your job is to give them whatever they ask for. And if you don't, then you're subject for termination. And that's just how it is around the world. But if Holder did that, then you could uh, that would uh, that would uh, you know offer some credence that maybe the IG he just couldn't do his job. But I, you know, again, the question's still there. Really, right. Friday was our first piece of information that we got to say did he do a good job or not. I felt like. I felt like it was, it was, it was, I'll, I'll say fair, you know, and, and, uh, what it did, what the report did, maybe I could show that, is the, um, it was 39 pages in length. It was focused again just on McCabe. It talked about various discussions people had with McCabe, some under oath, some not. Um, but in, all in all, it prints a very damning report of McCabe. He lied, not just once, not just twice, but multiple times, both under oath and not to investigators, and to other entities within the FBI DOJ. And um, so they could tell that just based on other people's uh, observation as well as testimonies. The thing that grabbed me in the report, too, one thing, there's a, there a number of things that grabbed you. One thing is on the very first page, his special counsel is noted. Well, his special counsel was Lisa Page, and she's the famous uh, texter with the, the um, with Peter Strzok, you know, the lovers that we got 50,000 or so text messages that the FBI DOJ refusing to hand over to Congress. Um, so that's something. In the report, it absolutely says that she and another individual that worked for McCabe leaked information to the Wall Street Journal. So it's pretty amazing. Right away, we've got Lisa Page in the story. Peter Strzok is in the story later. Her, uh, through a text between her and uh, Peter Strzok, who's the head of the FBI's, I guess the FBI's investigation into Hillary emails, he, um, they, they know they, they have this discussion about the um, uh, uh, the, um, <clears throat> the email um, scandal. Anyways, they talked about these leaks, and um, in the in the email as well, there was leaks that were noted by the DOJ. There was leaks that were noted by. Um, others within the FBI. It was, you know, the thing that became apparent too is that there was a culture of corruption. It wasn't just one leak. It's almost as if the FBI and DOJ, now we see it with Mueller's team, but they are freaking using leaks to manipulate the media. They don't come out with, you know, press, you know, reports or, um, you know, have a conference and discuss information. They leak. And I believe the reason they do that is because then they can leak lies and manipulate the media. And I think that's what's been going on with Mueller and his team, and this is what they've been doing to really set up the entire Mueller investigation. But um, that was kind of the, the key point to the report. The one thing, though, Jim and I um, were discussing on, on Friday after I kind of put this together, we were discussing what was in that report, et cetera, was that, that something about it, there was something in there about the Wiener emails. And and to kind of refresh maybe your listeners' uh, memory, 
Anthony Weiner was a former U.S. congressman. He worked for Senator Chuck Schumer in New York. I don't know if a lot of people remember that. He worked for Schumer, who's a, in my opinion, he's just one of the biggest snakes in the in the government right now. He's the, he's the top of the Senate for the Democratic Party. Um, anyways, Weiner, Weiner became a representative. He was outed for texting um, crude, lewd, and I guess naked pictures of himself. He resigned from the... Uh, from Congress. He then ran for the mayor of New York. Again, another texting scandal. He, he ended up dropping out of the race. But in the meantime, he had married Huma Abedin, who's Hillary Clinton's main person. And um, so what what happened was Wiener got caught again sometime in 2016, I believe, uh, for texting a girl that was underage. And because of that, the, the, you know, obviously the and they got a hold of his laptop or PC, something in his home. And it was reported back then that there was a lot of information on that on that laptop and PC that didn't relate to the texting necessarily, but was very salacious. Um, anyways, we haven't heard a lot about that, but there was there was references to it in the. Um, in the report on Friday, in the case report, and Jim and I were talking. It's like Jim, there's something there. There is something there. I think it's the Wiener email. And here's what I said to Jim. And you know, it's like, why would these guys, Mueller, etc., why would they do what they're doing with the president? They've created an unconstitutional investigation to look into the president of the United States to try to have him removed. Why would they go to such a brazen plot? I mean, it's absolutely outlandish what they're doing. And thank God most of America is waking up to it. It's unconstitutional on multiple levels. I put a report together that actually Drudge linked to that said 10 reasons why the Mueller investigation is unconstitutional. And um, it's, just, it's just shocking how you know, corrupt and how, um, how this thing even got put in place. But the thing that hit us on Friday is maybe it's the Wiener emails. Maybe there's so much dirt in there that they've got to do something or they're just, they're goners. So I'll, I'll pause there for a moment. But that's kind of the, that was our observation from, from Friday. That That's a uh, wonderful yeah. summation. The, the, I mean, that... Yeah. You know, and we've always, we've always said, if you go back to 2016 and you go back to the NYPD FBI task force raid on the devices of the Abedin Wiener devices mm-hmm. and what they captured, uh, Eric Prince came out November 4th, 2016 said, man, there's the, you won't believe it. And, and you know, I, 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 yeah. uh, my sources, his source, 1PP, the NYPD 1PP. Uh-huh. My source um, within the intelligence community is saying this is bad, as well as uh, NYPD mm. as well, saying this stuff is bad. Mm. So and and so you mm-hmm. picked up on this. You and you and Jim picked up on mm-hmm. this gateway, and and uh, that's yeah. good. Okay. And there was something to it. You know, there's just something there. I mean, this plot, this this abuse of power, this unconstitutional, corrupt, criminal investigation, which has just gone out of hand. I mean. 
We wrote 10 reasons why it's unconstitutional a few weeks ago. Now, since then, they've gone in and destroyed attorney-client privilege last week. They're doing, now they're trying to determine all of Cohen's clients. I mean, it has gone beyond imagination in, in how corrupt it is, right? Why would these people do this? I mean, it's, it's clear, it's obvious. This is corrupt. Why would they do it? There must be a big reason. There must be something out there that they've got to stop. You know, it's not just that Hillary lost. You know? That's and, true. And so that's what hit us. There's some stuff in those Wiener emails, and it just hit me as I was reading through it. It's in the footnotes a couple places about the Wiener emails, et cetera. Hmm, what's going on? Well, so then that, over the weekend, you have these marvelous Internet sleuths, and I, and I really hated that Obama brought up this thing about fake news. First of all, it was a lie. The people that were reporting the truth were the people on the Internet. It was the new media. It was people in the Gateway Pundit, Breitbart News, you know, individuals like yourself who said, enough, we're going to start sharing the truth. And you know what was amazing with Trump is people went there. We, they started following people like the Gateway Pundit, and that's why Trump won. Because the left thought they had it with, the, with this old legacy media, CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC, et cetera. And... Um, they lost. And um, so they were in shock. And they have to, you know, so it's not about just losing the election. It's, it's about there's something bigger. <laughs> and well, I, think, uh, I, think there's, uh, I think there's some damning stuff in those emails that, uh, that, that, and somebody did some work over the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah, what's your thoughts? You know, I, I will say this, and, and this is not to blow smoke or anything, but I, I do know, based on on my contacts in D.C. and the, the trip, I, I got a I got a taste of the websites that uh, President either either President Donald Trump and or his staff uh, collate, uh, and mm-hmm. Gateway Pundit Gateway Pundit is on that list, so he's wow. watching. Okay, and I and I was yeah. going to tell Jim this. Uh, I, I was, I was amazed at this list. And the Gateway Pundit, obviously, mm-hmm. Drudge, Gateway Pundit, and a number of others. Mm-hmm. But, but he's watching, and, and mm-hmm. he's, and if you, if you look at his mm-hmm. tweets, he's reacting to, to stuff that you guys put out. But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there's no, something. true, and, and he tweeted a number, you're right, he tweeted a number of Jim's stories during the election. He tweeted a few things in my instance, and I've, I've written some things about just the financials with the U.S., the stock market. Nobody's writing about it. These massive successes that Trump's having. Nobody's writing about it. A guy in Hong Kong, for example, right. you know, a corporate exec in Hong Kong has to write about this stuff because nobody else will. One, because the liberals don't understand numbers. Two, because they don't want to do anything that promotes Donald Trump. They're all, you know, they're all in bed together. So, anyways, getting back to our story, and I'll share that with Jim, by the way, about the Gateway Pundit. And um, yeah, please do. What happened over the weekend is one of these internet sleuths and and. and um, she started. She put something together, and, it, and I first was alerted to it through a tweet uh, re- referring to, to uh, the conservative treehouse. And so I looked at it, and then uh, that's when we put together our um, our post. But it was it was amazing what this individual did. And that's the thing. There's so many sharp people out there on the internet, and it's the internet is what is saving the truth. It's the opposite of what Obama says. Of course, everything's the opposite with Obama. But internet has has produced the truth. It hasn't produced fake news. Fake news is the legacy of media. The internet has saved the day. So anyway, that's what happened again this weekend. Some bright, bright, you know, young lady on the internet uh, 
pieced this stuff together. She looked at the IG report, and then she went back and looked at some information from that time back in 2015. She says, hmm, the uh, emails were captured in, in, in September by the FBI. The FBI knew about them in September. They didn't do anything until late October, you know, this investigation. They took a second investigation for Hillary's email. That wasn't announced until late October, right before the election, as you guys recall. Anyways, um, what came out from the Strzok page, uh, text messages, there was a text in there, and then back in September saying, oh, my God, they found some emails in New York. I'm sending somebody up there right away. That was in September. So we know the FBI knew about these they knew about these emails back in uh, in, in uh, September of 2016. Um, what happened in the IG report on Friday was there was a reference to various communications between the FBI, the DOJ, and there was reference to discussions with the New York office of the, uh, I think, believe the DOJ. And so in those discussions, it's maybe what McCabe said. McCabe, in his testimony to these guys, these investigators, through his lies, I think he threw some pieces in there. By the way, another thing that was in that in that IG report was that basically McCabe was being thrown under the bus by the Department of Justice, so he threw the Department of Justice under the bus. But in doing so, he outed the fact that the Clinton Foundation was under investigation. This was in late October. The FBI had been investigating him for, for you know, God knows how long, and it finally comes out in late October right before the election. It's like the FBI, again, this corrupt FBI, through their ultimate wisdom, decided that it wasn't important for Americans to know the Clinton Foundation was under investigation. You know, it's the audacity of these crooks. So what happened was, um, in the IG report, there's discussions between McCabe and Loretta Lynch and how she was, he said she was very, she was agitated. It was a quick meeting that was set up quickly and that she was very, and I forget the exact word, I don't have the report in front of me, very like directed. She was saying, do this. And we don't know what, what this was. But this internet sleuth over, over the weekend sees this stuff, and she said, huh, Eric Prince came out, and you just mentioned it, he came out with a report on Breitbart, on a radio show on Breitbart, and he said on November 4th of 2016, a few days before the election, he comes out and says, hey, there is damning evidence in these Wiener emails. It's it's unbelievable. Some of the stuff's sickening. It's how perverted it is. But it's got it's got so much damage on top Democrats. So it looked like Wiener and maybe Uberden were building a freaking you know blackmail list and or some sort of insurance policy to protect them if anything ever happened to them. <laughs> and the and through Wiener's texting scandal, authorities got a hold of it. It also, in this Prince interview with Breitbart, which was pretty much denounced, certainly by the, by the right. Everybody's denounced, oh, that guy's crazy. We can't listen to that. But, but what this report did is it validated some significant pieces in his interview. And, his, and, and the pieces were that Loretta Lynch was pressuring the people in New York to shut things down. That she had gone and taken over what was called the Garner investigation, which was this black man that was that died in police custody in New York. Back then, there's Black Lives Matter, and they're protesting this in New York. The poor man died in police custody. All the cops got off free. There was no wrongdoing by the police. What happened was then Loretta Lynch took over the case. Well, Prince noted that Loretta Lynch was threatening the top people, maybe in the police department or whomever, 
to say, if you don't stop this the Wiener investigation and shut it down, I'm going to freaking basically have all you guys investigated and thrown in jail on made-up charges. Similar to what they're doing with the, with the Mueller investigation now. This is how they operate. The Nazis, they're freaking, <laughs> this is my opinion. They just, they're, they are just bullies, uh, kind of like what they did with General Flynn. Anyways, um, that was reported by Prince, and now we know in the IG report that she had a discussion on a certain day with McCabe and another guy, and, it, and in the notes to the IG report it mentioned related to leaks and the Garner case. <laughs> and Amazing. so, bam, there's now support that, yes, Loretta Lynch spoke at least with the FBI and at least with the head of the uh, uh, one of these entities in New York at that time, and it was about the Garner case. So it's starting to validate what this Prince said. So um, I guess some other pieces that this individual on the uh, net put together was that there was um, Rudy Giuliani came out with that time, said a couple of days before it happened. There's a big, there's some big news coming out, and uh, the big news two days later was Comey. They they set up another investigation and they re- reopened the uh, Hillary email investigation. Now a lot of people think, oh, Comey, you know, he screwed the Clintons, all that. What happened uh, is that Prince, I believe, said that there was these guys in New York, policemen, that saw what was in that those emails of Wieners, and said, if you don't reopen it, we're going to come out with a, our own press conference. And so that's the theory that Prince said. Don't know if that's true or not. But for some I, reason, I've, they came out I've got the same thing. I got the same thing at the same uh-huh. time. So uh, uh-huh. I have a tendency to believe that. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. And so yep. yeah. So, so that was kind of I'm trying to think. You know the key points there, but that's um, that's I guess about it. So it wasn't that Comey was you know screwing with Clinton. It was that he was forced into doing it. They were forced into doing it by these people. Here's the other key point. Rudy Giuliani is well respected, my understanding, by the by the NYPD. They like this guy. He was prosecutor. He put people in jail. He cleaned up the streets in New York. He allowed the policemen to do their job. So it's not hard to believe, based on his past record, that the TV would notify Rudy of this stuff and that Rudy knew about it. It's not hard to believe that. So I guess one of the questions we have now is, where has Rudy been for the last year? And what's he been up to? Um, we mm. don't know, but good, we good do question. know now that uh, you know there's there's you know, but now it does seem like hmm, the Wiener emails may be more important than they've been. Uh, you know, the, the media won't talk about them, so there's there's a clue too. So there's something there. So well, that's kind of a summary of this the great work done by people, you know, in various venues over the past few days. I just love this, the uh, the symbiotic relationship that you and Jim have um, together, and then of course picking up, taking the ball, crossing the finish line, and really digging as deep, deeper, and so, so folks, you have to understand, um, Gateway Pundit, a leader in the news, always dependable in my view, uh, and many people love it. I, I'm gonna, and I'll tell you right now, the, the people, the, the list I saw, uh, just to drive this home, the websites that uh, Donald Trump and his team pay attention to, of a big part of it, Gateway Pundit. So you're talking to the, to the co-founder of Gateway Pundit, Joe Hoft, Hong Kong, joining us early in the morning there, before a busy day, I'm sure, sharing 
the inside baseball over his investigation and report. Joe, I got to tell you, man, uh, it's brilliant. You guys are, you and Jim have really put together a brilliant team and, and a brilliant, uh, website and a force to be reckoned with. I don't, I don't want to take you, yeah. we're up against it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we foregone, we, we forewent the break. Uh, just in closing here in the last minute or so, anything that you'd like to tell our listeners, uh, for, we want to follow you on, on Twitter. That's at Joe Hoft, I believe, right? On Twitter? Yep, that's right. Okay. All right. Yeah, really... thanks. And uh, and I should I should make Jim was the founder of the Daily Planet. I've been kind of his cheerleader all along. So I'm okay. probably the Jim's number one cheerleader. You can probably say that. And I <laughs> and I you know, I kinda of started writing for him throughout the years. I put in a post here or there. Really got into it in the two thousand sixteen. I I did a lot more work, especially after I started getting that drudge link or two and get you excited. So um but, but, but you're an investigator, but I mean, you've yeah. got the investigative nose, man, and you're in that business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's amazing too, and and I know numbers well too. I've got a CPA and et cetera. Um, so you know that that comes in really handy uh, in in writing because a lot of people don't they just don't these journalists just don't have a clue about numbers. So that maybe that's uh, been my forte too. But Jim Jim's the one to put this thing together. He's got a great site. I help him out. And he's got these people now that write for him that are just excellent too. He's got a, you know, he's done a, he's done a magical thing and it's been fun to watch over the years. He's, um, um, he's got some new ventures. You'll be hearing about some things in the near future. The Gateway Pundit, the Gateway Pundit is, you know, follow them. Gateway Pundit, one, one word, uh, dot com. Um, about myself, I've written a couple books. You can find that. I, I've got a website. I try to, when I post on the Pundit, I, I'll put a, Copy the post to my website, johoff.com, and I've got a couple books there that I that I that I've written. One about uh, Asia and potential uh, strategies for the U.S. The second one, just kind of personal stories about people I've met and stories uh, that I've had from a recent publication. Um, I was actually given so your yeah, book about Asia. Uh, I, I oh, look, yeah. I, I was, in fact, a friend of mine had passed, uh, your book to me. I still haven't given it back to him. Uh, fantastic work. Uh-huh. If, if you want to plug your book on Asia, Thanks. please do that. Uh, take, yeah. take a moment. Yeah, here. well, I'll do that. It's, uh, the, the title was, um, um, Falling Eagle, Rising Tigers. And it was just, hey, there's solutions out here that are working in the Asia Pacific realm that we should bring to the U.S. And actually, Jim told me he met with, uh, Steve Bannon. A half a year ago, this is before he had this falling out um, with the president. But uh, Bannon, when he met Jim, said he uh, he loved my book. He just kept talking about my book because I've got about ten solutions there that are working here that that we should really try to suggest implementing in the U.S. So that was the uh, gist of the book, and I you know became aware of that once I moved out here about seven years ago. And and there are some incredible. One of the things President Trump did, and it's the tax plan. Hong Kong's got the got rates that are sixteen percent. And um, they're, 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 uh, the process, the tax regime is very simple, and Trump uh, implemented that in the U.S. recently. So um, smart things that people are doing out here, and, and Hong Kong has a surplus every year. So Amazing. There you go. Okay. You See, know, and, so. and you're, you're, the, you're the investigator and money guy. You, you know, and it's amazing that, that yeah. uh, uh, the perspective from Hong Kong about America it's just uh, second mm. to none, and and Joe, I I just have to thank yeah, you so very much, man. You and your brother, yeah. man, just kicking thank butt. You. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. Be back anytime. Let me know. All right. Be yeah, safe out there, and sure. and have a great Wednesday. Have a great Wednesday. All thank right. Thank you. Okay, thank you, my man.
All right. Good evening. Folks, all right. Folks, that was Joe Hoft, uh, the brother of Jim Hoft, Gateway Pundit, gatewaypundit.com. You want, you want real news? I cannot speak highly enough, and I'm serious about this. Um, I, I really haven't spoken much about the political context that I made in, in Washington. Uh, I, I, I'll say this. Donald Trump pays attention to the, uh, the honest media. Uh, the, just the the informal list of websites, Gateway Pundit, Drudge, uh, and I'm not going to go any further than that, but just understand, it's not just the New York Times and Washington Post. He looks at, in the Twitter feed, and the, tw- the retweets to him, phew, let me tell you, American Thinker as well, Hagman Report. Yes, yes, we made the cut. So why am I saying that is because we have in place a president now who is not creating the narrative within the mainstream media, but also breaking free and, and just uh, uh, actually going to where the truth really is. And I think that's fantastic. So now with that, we, we did uh, blow right through the break. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to yeah. you. John is coming in to sit for me. I'm going to, I've got a telephone conference here in about 15 minutes. And uh, I hope to be back in my morning show. Yeah, yeah. And folks, by the way, Occupy 2018. L.A. Marzulli is going to be there. That's right. He's our guest right now. Folks, go to lamarzulli.net. He's going to be speaking at the Occupy 2018 conference coming up in Canton, Ohio, April 20th through the 22nd, starting just on Friday, just a few days away. And as these things go, uh, tickets go fast, especially in the last few days and weeks in the run-up to the event. So make sure that if you want to go, go to Coach Dave Live and purchase those tickets as soon as possible while there are still some available. But L.A. Mar- Marzulli, a longtime friend of the show and guest of the show, joins us. And we got a lot to get into. L.A., it's great to have you back on the show. Hey, Joe, great to be here. Thank you so much. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, excited again to to be able to... Uh, get a chance to, to see you in person as we have several times in, in the past during conferences and uh, this time is going to be just as, as great and really looking forward to it. L.A., why don't you give us a sneak peek about what it is you're going to be talking about on well, you know, thank Occupy. you. And, and, you know, with, with these conferences, I mean, folks, i got to tell you, the, the lineup of speakers is just incredible and, and, and you're going to want to get uh, – you're just going to want to go there. I mean, so much is going on on the planet. I mean, where, where to begin? We just had the um, – the bombing over the weekend. I mean, was it a chemical attack? Was it not a chemical attack? And I, I actually started a new, um, <clears throat> uh, not a new YouTube channel, but a new feature on my YouTube channel. It's called the Marsalis Report. I teamed up with Bill Salas. Bill and I are together, and uh, we call it the Marsalis Report. And we talked about the chemical uh, weapons. That would all be under the Days of Chaos umbrella that uh, I've written a book on it and uh, produced a DVD with my good friend and the producer of the Watcher series, Richard Shaw. But at this conference, I feel that so much is going on, and we've had disclosure. What I mean by that, in December of last year on Fox News, and I'll be showing the clip actually at the conference, Tucker Carlson uh, sat down with this F-18, former F-18 fighter pilot by the name of Fravor, F-R-A-V-O-R, I think. And this guy is like a D player, an E player. In other words, he's got no platform. No one's ever heard of him. Yet he's on primetime television with Tucker Carlson. I mean, how does that work? He's on primetime with Tucker Carlson. And he's got, and he's showing on, on Fox News, he's showing what was at that, up to that moment, classified 
UFO footage taken from the F-18. That begs the question, how does this guy get on the show, number one? Number two, how does he have access to the what was declassified footage? How does all that work? It's a managed agenda, my friend Chuck Mister would say. It's a managed agenda. Okay. So I'll be talking about uh, the DNA results that we got. Uh, we had a press conference here February 1st, and I'll be, I'll be bringing that to the table. Fatima 1, Fatima 2, followed by the whole UFO disclosure. And all of this connects. I mean, it all connects. All of this is sourced from the dark side. Um, it, it plays right into the end-time prophecy. I mean, and there it is. You can see the, the Fatima 2 special um, up there. And it's it's we, we published our first book out of Spiral of Life, other than my own. It's by Jose uh, Machado. And he had access to the sanctuary at Fatima, where he found he handled the original glass plates from 1917. And what he found there was astounding. And okay. I'll, I'll present that at the conference. But I'll tell you, there is a round object in the glass plate, and it shouldn't be there. And that round object, is, here's, here's the apparition site like this. That round object, and let's say right here where my fist is, this is where the, the apparition, so-called apparition, appeared. This thing's like right over it, like this. Very like interesting. Right over In L.A., yeah. I've watched a, a few uh, recent documentaries on uh, the, the whole uh, story, the, the beginning and, and all the way up until... Uh, the very end of the uh, visions of the, the Fatima visions and how uh, the warnings and the nun got to speak to the Pope and how the the Vatican did not bless the countries properly and, and com- the spread of communism. I'd, I'd like to talk to you about that in person uh, because I, I want to do a, an in-depth study on it. But the, the aliens and, and the uh, DNA, you know, the uh, UFOs and whatnot, Art Bell just passed away over the weekend. And on our daily show, I played a clip from... A caller. Well, it's probably the most famous call Art Bell had received on Coast to Coast. I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. The caller who said that he was an ex Area 51 employee and that the he was crying and freaking out and saying that the aliens are not who they say they are. They are not good. Uh, basically implying that they were evil and, and demon, uh, demonic, from what I gathered. Then the radio station was was shut down. Uh, whether, you know, somebody pulled the plug outside or cut a wire or uh, it was done from a, a higher level of an intelligence agency, we don't know. But well, what do you think about Art Bell, Coast to Coast, that call? And what do you think that has done as far as opening the doors up, not only for the alternative media, but for the other side of that, a lot of these New Age uh, religious movements, the ancient alien astronauts to, you know, on and on and on. Well, first of all, just on a technical issue, I'm getting a lot of feedback. I'm getting, you know, double double voice, not when I talk, but when you do. So uh, maybe let your producer know that. Um, this is a managed agenda, using that term again. Um, disclosure happened in December, as I said, but since then, it's happening about every two to three weeks. They'll roll out something else. They'll roll out um, another uh, another guy, another talking head, some more footage. And And what people need to realize is, uh, this disclosure is happening as we speak, and it's not going away. And the church, for the most part, won't even discuss it. They won't even talk about it. And yet, and this is why I made the movie, you can see right right behind me here, in their own words, UFOs are real. And the reason why I made that is because after going around the conferences and speaking at churches, 
I would ask for a show of hands. How many of you had seen lights in the sky, UFOs, um, had, had sleep paralysis, um, and an encounter with an alien being? Between 30, I'll give you as a low, 20%, 15% as a low, absolute low, 15 to 20%. As a high, as high as 35% of the people sitting in the audience have had an encounter. And many of these people, Joe, have never talked to anyone about it at all. Never said word one to anyone about it. So it's like, this is the dirty little secret in the church that the church won't address. The church needs to address it. And, you know, bully for some of the pastors that invite me and others who are, you know, speaking in, in this field, um, and, 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 and trying to alert, um, the body of Christ as to what's going on. In the meantime, every Friday night, Ancient Aliens, um, it has one hour on the History Channel. Bully for those guys. I think it's like nine years running or something. And um, they are promulgating the ancient astronaut theory, which essentially is that all life was created here, uh, seated here by extraterrestrials. E.T. created the world's uh, early civilizations and then um, uh, um, created the world's religions. And now at this critical juncture, they're, they're here to usher mankind into a golden age. There is in New Age circles, and I'll talk about this at the conference. In certain New Age circles, there's something called the event. And what this is, they're expecting full disclosure. And some are saying this month. Now, you know, date setting, I don't, I don't buy that at all. So the moment someone starts date setting, red flags go up. But that's what they're saying. Other side of the aisle is saying something's about to happen. Well, I, I would concur. I mean, everything everything is ramping up on the world stage. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, we're in very tumultuous, tenuous, unprecedented times. So it's just a question of what will we see here in the not-too-distant future? And we're, we're already seeing it in the mainstream media. We're already seeing it on Fox News when they're showing, uh, which at one time was declassified information, now we're showing it. Um, or, or classified information, now they're showing it on, on Fox News. I mean, and, and it's, it's like every two to three weeks. And yet, um, I have yet to hear from anyone who's written, written to me that their pastor discussed it at, at sen on Sunday. So here we've got disclosure happening and the church is asleep at the wheel. And, a, and there you go. And a pope who says he would, uh, uh, what did he say? That he would baptize the aliens. In LA, I want to ask you, are you still getting the double, the, the double feedback? Yeah, I am. Okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna disconnect this call and just immediately reconnect with you, just to see if we can clear that issue up. All right, we disconnected with LA and folks again. He's gonna be at the Occupy 2018 conference, April 20th through the 22nd in Canton, Ohio. We're gonna be there. John's gonna be speaking. I'm gonna be speaking. My father's gonna be speaking. We're gonna have Russ Dizdar. We're gonna have William Federer, who was on with us last Friday or Thursday, who just did an awesome job. Uh, laying out uh, in 45 minutes this whole long history, human history of, of man-made governments and, and systems. And there are so many more that are going to be there. Pastor Mike Spaulding, Pastor Paul Begley, one of our favorites, and uh, people like Coach Dave, uh, as well as Mark Trump. And I know we have a, a number of people who are associated the with the show is going, who are going to be uh, there in attendance, Stephen Menking. Uh, and his wife are going to be attending, as well as many others. And it's going to be sponsored uh, by uh, 
Well, let me oh, jump. Simple Clean Foods. Si- simple exactly. And of course, they'll be there as well. Uh, for those just joining us, our uh, guest this hour is none other than a dear friend of the Hagman Report, L.A. Marzuli, lamarzuli.net. And Joe, I don't know about you, but w- when we go to conferences, uh, L.A. is definitely one of the guys I get excited about seeing. Oh, yeah, uh, if I can get some FaceTime with L.A. and with Russ, those are some pretty interesting conversations. Well, let me ask you this, John. You just spent, what, 10 days on the West Coast. Uh, what's it like to be back? Are you happy to be back in, in town? You wish you could have stayed out there in the West Coast longer? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I am very happy to be back in town. And I just, you know, I want to take 10 seconds to thank uh, all of our listeners, all of our viewers. Thank you so much for enabling this team to grow. The last two years have been incredible. We had a team meeting right before the show this evening, and we've got some amazing growth coming your way. We've really got some cool stuff happening, uh, and we're going to start that cool stuff with L.A. Marzuli, who I believe we have back with us, Joe. Yes, we do. Yeah, you do. Can, uh, how's the audio? <laughs> hey, LA. better? And, and no echo. Thanks, guys. Oh, good. Great. Fantastic. L.A., uh, John Robertson sitting in for Doug Hagman. Uh, hey, good to see you, my friend. Uh, let's let's dive right into this, uh, L.A. Now, just before we had to reconnect with you, Joe uh, mentioned the Pope. And if you can clarify this for me, it, it will be my takeaway learning moment for the day because I have been confused about this, L.A., since it happened. Uh, 2014, maybe the first couple months of 2015, the Pope issued an encyclical uh, suggesting that when the event, as you... Uh, correctly stated the New Age nomenclature for this this extraterrestrial visitation, uh, that if these ETs happen to have, well, let's say an extrapolation of the gospel, perhaps a few added chapters, that we should in fact listen to them and accept their message because they know more than we do. L.A., is this ringing a bell? Well, it does. In fact, uh, the late Chris Putman came on our, one of our Watchers series, Watchers 7, where we discussed the whole UFO phenomenon um, and, and with all of its different particles, um, we, you know, just the abduction stuff, UFOs, orbs, I mean, the whole deal. And Chris Putman went on camera and basically stated that, that people in England and the U.K. now believe more in the reality of E.T. as our progenitors, as, as our creators, than God. So... Um, the Vatican is definitely positioning themselves to embrace this, to embrace a quote-unquote alien savior. Um, I find it incredibly alarming. And this, what's what's interesting is this goes hand-to-hand, in my opinion, with, with some of the Marian appar- so-called Marian apparitions. Here's my caveat. We're, if people want to believe that these amorphous blobs of light are Mary of the Bible, then that's their prerogative. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm not going to sit here and attack your belief system, uh, I'm not going to do that. What I will go after, however, is this, that in my opinion, um, these experiences that are continuing from Fatima all the way up into modernity, and that's what Fatima 2, the film, talks about, which is very alarming. In fact, at the end of the film, I show a compilation of so-called sun miracles and, uh, and apparitions from the last 20 years, 20, 25, 30 years. Got it off YouTube. Just like, bam, bam, Nigeria, India, Knock Ireland, Cairo, Egypt. I mean, Conyers, Georgia. It's all there. And what are we looking at? What is this stuff? And the problem is, people have no grid. They have no grid for this. No one's testing the spirits. No one is rebuking first, asking questions later. 
And in my show, which has, which I'll follow uh, directly after this show, and I need about five minutes to do the, the transfer. I'm sitting in my studio, so it's it'll go very quickly. But what, the point I'm trying to make is this, that um, in Conyers, Georgia, when that happened, and this was 1992, many people looking at the same phenomenon in the sky. Some people saw a religious figure, i.e., what appeared to be Mary. Other people saw a UFO looking at exactly the same, right next to each other. One person would see one thing, another person would see something completely different. What are we to make of that? And my whole um, deal with Fatima, uh, going over there last year in July, uh, we spent two weeks there, interviewed a lot of different people, and really the breaking story on this is we've got photographs from 1917, handled the original glass plates, which have been sitting in the archive for 100 years. Unbelievable. And no one one ever examined them. Uh, And this this man, Jose Machado, who's a professor of semiotics, and and that's what they do. They examine film and and pictures, and that's what they do, professor of semiotics. And he went in there and handled, I mean, handled the glass plates and looked at them and studied them. And, And what this object is is intrinsic. It's in the glass plate. It's not a smudge. It's not a chemical stain. It's not a burn. It's in the glass plate. And that's, that is, um, when we say never before seen photographs, that's, that's legit. Boy, you, no be, one, you better no believe it. You better believe it. LA, I, I'm so pleased to share some time with you here, uh, this evening on the Hagman Report because, uh, you know, as, as researchers, how we latch on to these, uh, these bizarre stories really from throughout history. And, and, and Fatima has always been, it's just, it piques my curiosity in capital letters. And in part because of the time that this, uh, that these series of events occurred in. It's just prior to the great influenza epidemic that killed, you know, an enormous percentage of the globe. It is, if memory serves, just toward the tail end of World War One, the greatest loss of life, the greatest conflagration in the history of humanity at that time. And yet to this day, there is so much controversy, so much uh, misunderstanding about Fatima, and just for our listeners who may not be as familiar—excuse <clears throat> me—as familiar with your work, uh, give us, if you would, LA, maybe a one or two-minute uh, synopsis. What, with all the extensive research you've done, what is your personal takeaway with exactly what happened in the skies over Portugal? Was what was Fatima? Was it divine or demonic? In my, in my opinion, and again, I've, I've been to, I've been to the sanctuary, and when you go there, um, you know there are, there are people. There's this one causeway, John, John and Joe, and it, and it's about a quarter of a mile long. And when when you walk in, I mean, this is it's a very dialed in area. Okay, they have very soft music, sacred music playing, choral music playing. I mean, there's pine trees around it. It's a it's a dialed in site. And before you get there, there's shop after shop after shop. Of Mary statues and Jesus statues. So these people that go and make pilgrims there, they think something happened, and I get that. I totally something happened there. I understand that. They believe it was, you know, the Mary of the Bible that appeared to these three kids. But when you start digging in deeper, and you go back to we and we did this, we went back to the 1917 original handwritten documents. What we find is something completely different. There are two Fatimas. There is a Fatima that people go to now, and and believe in, and there's the actual events that happened in 1917. There's this causeway. It's a marble 
causeway. It's about six, eight feet wide, I think. And it goes down from the top of the sanctuary all the way down. And you see these people kneeling and walking on their knees, walking on their knees, praying the rosaries. Now, you know, I look at that and I understand these, some of these people are really serious. But from my perspective, even the blood of Jesus is sufficient. And I, I, I can't do anything more than that. I can fast and pray, but I mean, I, I can't, walking anywhere on my knees is not gonna, not gonna change anything. I mean, if people want to do that, that's fine. And again, we're not attacking someone's belief system if that's what they feel that they need to do. But, uh, from my perspective, it's, it's a little out there, but I digress. The bottom line is, something happened at Fatima. There's no doubt. 70, 80,000 people were standing in that field that day, and they witnessed something together, collectively. Um, it wasn't the sun that came down, and we spent, uh, for the first film, is one hour really drilling in on the idea of the, mir- the so-called miracle of the sun. And so what people say that, that there were 70,000 people gathered in the field because the kids had gone to this lady, this entity. She never said she was Mary of the Bible, by the way. And Francisco died, and Lucia's like 21. Then it's all, it's, that's when the concoction and the confabulation, in my opinion, begin to start. And that's when the secrets are revealed, the first two. Uh, consecrate my sacred heart to Russia. Well, that's not in the 1917 documents. It's not there. So something is going on here. We've got two Fatimas. So 70 or 80,000 people were there because the entity said that they asked for a sign. The people asked for a sign. The magistrate, the priest, the, the, the rulers of the area asked for a sign. How do we know? So the entity said, okay, we're going to give you a sign. This was in September. So a month later, on October 13, 1917, between 70 and 80,000 people were gathered in the field of Fatima. It had been raining all night, all pretty much all morning. The people are drenched, absolutely sopping wet. And all of a sudden, the, the clouds part, and there's the sun. Then another cloud comes in front of the sun. Let's say here's the sun. Another cloud comes like this in front of the sun. And out of that comes an object that spins wildly like this and then falls to earth in a, in a leaf, like a leaf falling. And it does this three times before it does what we call the flyby, which goes over over the crowd. First of all, if the sun is the size of a watermelon and the earth is the size of a head of a match, it was not the sun that left the solar system that day and descended to the earth. We'd all, we'd all, there'd be nothing left. We'd all be burnt up. And it was only seen within around 80, 100 miles of Fatima at, at most. Whatever was going on, people, let's say 60 miles away, saw something in the sky, but it wasn't the sun. They saw a bright object, but it wasn't the sun. So that's what we drilled down to uh, in Fatima 1. And what we found in the handwritten documents, and by the way, it's in Jose Machado's book, verbatim, and it's all through Fatima 1 and Fatima 2. People, the eyewitnesses are there, and they say this, I looked up and saw a dull silver disc. Now, remember, in 1917, John and Joe, there's no, there's no words in the lexicon like UFO or flying saucer. Those wouldn't be coined till mid-20th century. So there's, no, there's nothing in people's grids. 
In fact, in Portugal in 1917, the people who were there have never seen any type of aerial phenomena at all. Whether an aircraft, a blimp, they've never seen anything. They've never seen anything in the sky but a bird. All right? And all of a sudden, this disc flies over the crowd, 60, 80 feet wide. I mean, I don't know how big it was. I mean, can you, if something's 60 feet, that's as big as your house. It can be as bigger than your house in some people. You know, it, it's good size. L.A., uh, I know Joe's got something for you, but I just want to interject this quickly. It almost reminds me a little bit of Ezekiel's wheels, uh, the way that you just described it. Now, that's the first time I've heard it described as such, although I've uh, researched a number of the videos available on YouTube. Uh, but before I hand it to Joe, uh, HagmanReport.com, uh, we have uh, a one-stop shop. It's it's a single click to uh, to go ahead and get copies of L.A.'s superb work. If you love a good mystery with demonology, divinity, and like life's big questions, check out the Fatima uh, project from L.A. Marzulli. Anyway, Joe, I know you've got something for L.A. Yeah, and that that's uh, on the uh, right-hand side of the website um, on the Hagman Report page. But, L.A., I want to ask you this, back, and kind of taking a few steps back, just to theology, just to doctrine, and about the, this Mary thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, after uh, Jesus was was resurrected, uh, and the, the end time, the scripture is very clear about the end times. The dead in Christ shall rise first, followed by those who are left alive, and remain. Would not, according to Scripture, Mary still be waiting, like the rest of the the people who have died, for the return of Jesus before rising? Let me let me say this. Uh, that that Mary, I, I regard her very highly. I mean, mm -hmm. she is she bought Jesus into the world. Mm -hmm. A sword pierced her heart when she was at the at the at the scene of the cross. I mean, that was very very intense for her because she knew in her heart, you know, who he was. I mean, there's there's no doubt that she knew um, more than anybody. And you know, Jesus goes, Mother, you know, behold your son, son, behold your mother. He gives her over to John. Which, which is incredible, I mean, when you think about it. Mary, after the book of Acts, completely fades from Scripture. So the idea that she's a perpetual virgin, number one. Number two, that from that she um, ascends into heaven. They call it the Assumption. And again, this is Catholic theology. And Protestants or, or evangelicals, we don't believe any of this. It's extra-biblical. Right. And it didn't, in, it didn't come into vogue or into being until the 4th century. There's nothing biblical about it. Absolutely nothing biblical about it. In fact, um, in my opinion, and this is controversial too, uh, people will say, uh, because of the Scripture, when his brothers and sisters show up and, and they're clamoring, or you know, his own brothers and his own sisters don't believe that he's Messiah. You know, Joseph fades from the scene very quickly. We don't know really what happened to Joseph. Um, uh and in my opinion, um, you know, Jesus was there, and and it was he was he was birthed by Mary, and he was obedient in all things to them. The first thing that we hear about is when he's when he's left at the temple, and and that that's got to be from Mary. I mean, Mary is relating that to to Luke, one of the one of the gospels. He probably I mean, I, I'd love to have a camera in there. I mean, Luke's sitting down with Mary. And by this time, maybe she's like, you know, 70, 80 years old, right? I mean, who knows? You probably had him when he was um, 
let's say 13, so he dies when 33, so Mary's like 45 at the time of the crucifixion, 46 years old at the time of the crucifixion, roughly. You get Luke in there, that's 20 years later, so she's in her 60s, let's say, which is, you know, that's up there. And uh, she's sitting down and she's telling Luke what only she can tell. You know, that whole scene when he goes, he, he, he stays at the temple and says, you know, why, what do you, I'm about my father's business. So if he had brothers and sisters, they all fade from scripture, except for James. We, we believe that James, the brother of the Lord. So, I mean, this is what's amazing. It's right there in the text. So what does that mean? Well, it's really not the Lord's brother. Well, his brothers and sisters, well, they really weren't his brothers and sisters. And that's, in my opinion, with all due respect to Catholics, again, they can believe whatever they want to believe. You know, we, we all believe in Jesus, so that's, we should lean towards that and not pick all this little infighting. But I don't believe that, that Mary was ascended to heaven. I don't believe she was a perpetual virgin. And I believe Joseph and Mary had other children. Um, and, uh, and James, the Lord's brother, became the bishop of Jerusalem. Okay, well, I really appreciate that explanation, that explanation. And, uh, I know that Catholic theology holds Mary in almost a divine status. Uh, you know, I've seen churches dedicated to her, you know, titled the Queen of Heaven and the, the prayers to her and whatnot. But yeah, I wasn't, uh, I, I would imagine from my, all of my understanding of, of doctrine and scripture that, uh, she, like every other human being, even though she was the, the mother of, of God, that, she would be waiting for that resurrection, the return of, G- of Jesus Christ. And then, if that is the case, if it is as Scripture says, then what is appearing to these children in 1917? That's the question. By the way, the, the echoes back, and it's worse than, than the first time. But let's just, let's press on. I can decipher what you're saying. Um, what we discovered by actually going to Fatima and spending time in Portugal was that there was a matriarchal society. In other words, before the Christian era. 2000, almost 2,000 years ago, the entire area was steeped in a matriarchal goddess worship, specifically the goddess Mora, the mother goddess. But there were other goddesses that were worshipped as well. The Celts were all through that area. Um, the Romans brought in Diana. This is, it's just unbelievable what actually happened uh, in Portugal in antiquity. And there were also serpent cults. We get into this in Fatima too. Some of those serpent cults are actually still active in northern Portugal today. So it's it's very, very complex. We also talk about a fourth witness, which again, most people that just believe in the Fatima apparitions have never been told about the fourth witness. And we, we spent a good deal of time discussing this very enigmatic and mysterious fourth witness. Her testimony is in the handwritten archives from 1917. But she fades from view completely. She fades from the scene and is not given any any respect at all. And, and most people have no idea who she is. Her name is Carolina Carriera. And we interviewed um, Fina de Armada, daughter, um, Frederica Claro de Armada. Uh, Fina, she passed away in 2014. But when she's alive, she had access to the Fatima Sanctuary. And in reading the handwritten documentation, she discovered there was a fourth witness who had an encounter with a being over the same tree that the entity would later appear over. 
I mean, what are we supposed to do with that? And Fina de Armada sought this woman out in 1978, and by this time she was a very old woman, and she got her story. And we bring that story to life. Uh, Wesley Sanziorgi did a wonderful job with uh, computer-generated imagery that's actually in the film Fatima 2. And it's almost like looking back through, through in time. It's almost like you're hiding under a bush seeing what's going on. So Carolina, the fourth witness, is out tending the sheep. That's what she's doing. And all of a sudden, she sees this figure in, in a white frock and with long blonde hair, and she's not sure whether it's a boy or a girl. And, and this entity is laughing and singing and dancing under the same tree that the apparition will later appear to the three children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta. And the entity communicates with Carolina telepathically. It's voice to skull. She's not going, hey, or it's not going, hey, come over here. Voice to skull. That's, that's red flag number one. So red flag number two is it's telling her, come, come. And Carolina doesn't want to come. She's afraid. And she looks back to the sheep, and part of red flag number two, the sheep are paralyzed. They're not moving. And she's taken aback by that. That's red flag number two. Red flag number three is when she looks back to find the child again. She can't find the child until she looks up. The child is floating above the treetop, just floating like this above the treetop. The same tree where the apparition would later appear. Um, that's off the charts. That's off the charts. Off, off, now, the, I'm, off the charts indeed. I'm sorry, LA, finish your thought and then I'm, I'm just, I'm chewing the inside of my cheek waiting to ask you about the, the Catholic Church's managing of this. You mentioned a moment ago, I know there was a nun who served quietly for the majority of her life but I'm getting ahead of myself please please finish your thought and and then we'll go into the the uh well, ex post facto I mean, political this, ramifications this was handwritten uh her testimony was a handwritten testimony by the parish priest father fiera so this is why we draw from the original records the 1917 records and they eventually go up to 1923 and then it all just disappears it all kind of goes away and then in 28 is when lucia is now by this time Lucia is cloistered. Okay? She's been a nun, she's given a vow of silence. The other two seers, Francisco and Jacinta, never even made it to their to their teenage years. They they died from influenza and they've been canonized. So this whole thing has been really managed and dressed up. And I get it. People want to believe in something. I mean I totally get it. I really do. I understand it. And that's why we're not knocking people's belief in Fatima. We just go after the, we talk about the facts. We, I, you know, I, I'm not sitting here going and, 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 and saying disparaging things about Mary or, or what, what people want to believe. They can believe whatever they want to believe. That, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to, to just, and what I, you know, as a Frank supernaturalist, um, if it's, so, if it's something, if it's a harbinger of deception, then I want to know that it's a harbinger of deception. If it's the real thing, I want to prove that it's the real thing, okay? But if it's deception, then that's what I'm going after. And everything that we found, everything that we discovered, points to, in my opinion, that this event was a harbinger of deception. It was, in fact, a UFO event. Indeed, it and was. We'll get into that in Fatima too. 
And, and, and again, uh, it's, it's real simple. HagmanReport.com, right hand column, scroll down, and, uh, the beautiful artwork is right there. Just click on it and you can dive into all of the details that for expediency this evening, we, we just can't go into every nook and cranny of this story, which is a shame because it truly is a remarkable story. Now, LA, you make an excellent point. Two of the three child witnesses who were also to a degree child prophets, uh, because they, if if memory serves, w- one of them saw something and then got the other two involved, and I believe the the church through the local magistrate actually tried to sequester the children for a while as well. Now forgive me, LA. It's been a while since I uh, read the last book I've read on Fatima, but this uh, has also been perhaps mischaracterized as as what is known as a mass hysteria event. Now, I'm sure many of our listeners and viewers are kind of perking up right now and going, yes, of course, there's been other mass hysteria events. One of the ones that I've always found uh, sort of charming and equally bizarre is the 15th century case of the uh, French peasantry who began dancing for all those days. And they couldn't, uh, I don't want to get us too far off track, but they couldn't stop dancing for several weeks. And at one point, it was so hot that summer, 10 to 15 people were dying per day in the in the town square from dehydration because they continued to dance for, for hours and hours and days upon days. In L.A., I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but scientists believe today that they were intoxicated by the ergot fungi uh, which grows on rye, particularly right. in wet harvest years, and in fact is one of the base components of lysergic acid diethylamide number 25, better known as LSD. So mass hysteria event, but the question, L.A., I think on a lot of our viewers' and listeners' minds this evening is, was it a mass hysteria event that portends, as you said when you made your opening remarks this evening, the event? That's... That puts us into the here and now, and I'm hoping that you'll extrapolate on this at Occupy 2018 this weekend in Ohio. L.A., is there an event coming? And if so, did uh, Lucifer himself do a little uh, foreshadowing uh, 101 years ago, almost 101 years ago? It'll be 101 years this May 13th, mm-hmm. um, the first apparition site, and it went on for six months from May to October. And what people need to understand that what happened in antiquity is being mimicked in modernity. And this is why it's a harbinger. It, it's a precursor of what not only is coming, it's already here. It's already happening. And that's why, I mean, I, I'm waving my hands. You know, the naysayers, oh, LA, you're just trying to sell a DVD. Remain ignorant, folks. I mean, I, you know, all I can do is, all we can do is offer the stuff. We, we can't give it to you for free. I wish we could. But, um, you know, it costs money to do all this, to fly to Fatima and, and create films. But that's what we do. That's the ministry. Uh, behind the scenes, there's all sorts of stuff. We pray for people. We talk to people. Um, we try to get them saved, healed, and delivered. People in the UFO community, people who are, who are, who are being abducted, whatever. That's what we do behind the scenes. So when, when, you, when you contribute, you know, when, when you buy the films, when you buy... Fatima One or the Fatima Package or whatever, you keep us out in the field. You're basically sewing in, to use Christianese, but you're sewing into what we do. And I take it very seriously. I take it um, as a as a responsibility. Look, I'm I'll be 68 years old in December. Okay, I don't have to do this anymore. You know, I I could uh, just disappear and retire. And I I guess there's some people out there who probably wish I would, but uh, you know, I don't have to do this. 
uh, I could I could sell and and move and 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 play golf every day or, and go skiing in the winter. But that's not what God's called me to do. And as a watchman, as a watchman, that's why the, the overarching umbrella uh, of the series is called the Watchman Chronicles. Um, and we've got three films in their own words. UFOs are real. Fatima one and Fatima two. And I'm working on four and five as we speak. In fact, when I'm when I'm at in Ohio, I will be filming at one particular site in West Virginia, about an hour and a half away from where it was staying this this uh, coming Monday. So I mean, we're in the field constantly. This is this is real information, real information. Fatima one, Fatima two. It's it's all, it, and the special is there. It it's I'm telling you, folks, when, when you check it out, it's it's an eye opener. Because especially at the end of the film, that composite, that 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 whatever it is, it's it's probably ooh, three or four minutes long maybe, and it's it's Nigeria, it's India, it's it's Knock Ireland, it's Conyers, Georgia, it's it's everywhere, it's Cairo, Egypt, you know, it's just like the UFO phenomena is real, burgeoning and not going away, and it, and it's all tied together. And what happened at Fatima? 101 years ago is is happening in modernity and we need you need to we need to understand the severity of the times that we're living in that this isn't business as usual and the films will arm you I mean I, I've had email I'll be reading some of them on my show but I, I mean I had one one guy on Twitter LA you know I I, I now I understand I, I grew up Catholic as a kid we were taught about Fatima yada 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 I saw the film, and now I realize that, wait a minute, not so fast, citizen. Something else is going on here. So when I hear reports like that, it, it gives me hope because people that, that see the film won't be deceived when they see something in modernity. Remember, Jesus warns us, don't let anyone deceive you. He uses that three times. Don't let anyone deceive you. Many will come in my name. So deception is, is the hallmark, the calling card. Of, of the last days, deception. Satan comes with all signs and lying wonders. Unless those days were shortened, no man, no flesh would, would be left alive. Uh, so it's what's coming, what's here, what's here, it's already manifesting, is in my opinion unprecedented. Gotta yeah. wake up. It is unprecedented indeed. You know, LA, the title of this evening's show, uh, Political and Cultural Vacancy the patriots must occupy and of course we're all going to be blessed to have fellowship with one another and and uh and break bread this weekend at occupy 2018 there are tickets uh still available and i oh, yeah. uh i spoke with uh with one of the directors a couple days ago and they had i think less than two dozen tickets so this is getting close to standing room only la and and i know uh, having been with you at conferences previously, that you spend a lot of time. I, in fact, I would say you spend an unusual amount of time, an inordinate amount of time, uh, shaking hands, interacting with people. I've seen you field some very uh, in-depth, multi-faceted questions from people who really uh, follow this stuff and uh, and do so uh, with uh, with great passion. I want to uh, uh, give it back to Joe here momentarily, but I want to ask you, and would be remiss if I failed to do so. Uh, tell us quickly, LA, a little bit about PP and S. Now you have a, a, a monthly digital news magazine. It looks like it's pretty reasonable, 
And uh, having followed your work for many, many years, uh, I'm personally curious about this. So uh, just take a moment, if you would, uh, uh, Mr. Marzulli, and tell us a little bit about politics, prophecy, and the supernatural, PP&S, L.A. Marzulli's monthly digital news magazine. Yeah, it, it's, it's two bucks a month, and you just it's a digital magazine, and it comes um, uh, to you. That's a great shot there. Uh, it comes to you as a PDF file or an interactive website where you can go and click and watch films and everything else. So it, it's got two choices. Um, there's no print. It's all PDF. It all comes uh, in, in the email, and uh, it's great. The information that we have, we have uh, uh, columnists like Matt Brunette who will be on my show, Matt's a Christian apologist. We have people like Anthony Patch, that right, Casper McLeod, who will also be there in Canton this weekend. Uh, Dave Dobbenmeyer, uh, who's hosting the conference, he writes for our news magazine. Bill Salas has written articles in the past. So we've got some really great people uh, in the stable. Chief Joseph Riverwind writes articles for us and, and others. Uh, Richard Shaw, the director uh, and, and producer, uh, co-producer of, of the Watcher series, writes an, an article. And, of course, I write an article every month also. So it's it's $2 a month, and uh, it comes as a PDF file. And the articles are just cutting edge, in my opinion. It, it's a great stable of people that we've got, uh, gotten together, and I'm really proud of the magazine. And thanks to Mark Kahn. Uh, Mark does all the typesetting on it, and he also, Mark Kahn also writes for it. So we've, and Mark's a pastor. So we've got some wonderful people writing for the magazine. L.A., did you... Sorry, Joe. L.A., did you say that uh, Pastor Casper McLeod is going to be in Canton this upcoming weekend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this 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 is fantastic. If, for those of you uh, who have not been to one of these conferences yet, or maybe it's been a couple of years, let me, let me tell you something, and I've only been to a handful myself, but when you get Pastor Paul Bagley... L.A. Marzulli, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, and, and Pastor Casper McLeod, who, who L.A., I can tell you, on a personal level, is one of my absolute favorite people I've met in our, in our community, so to speak. Uh, I am thrilled. I did not realize that Pastor Casper was going to be there this weekend. I'm really stoked to see him again. Uh, folks, if you live within a couple hundred miles, you've, you've got to come out to the conference uh, just, just to have a moment with uh, such a gentle spirit and yet like a total old school rock and roller like Pastor Casper. Uh, this is going to be fantastic, L.A. Yeah, Casper's a good guy and, um, you know, it's going to be good. What can I tell you? Yes, it is. L.A., going back to what you said about the uh, deceptions that are coming, that we see manifesting more and more, and, you know, no nobody can doubt the huge increase in UFO sightings. Okay. I gotta stand corrected. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the, uh, I guess he's not gonna be there. I, he, he's gonna be at the, the Hear the Watchman conference. My bad. Please forgive me. He'll be at the Hear the Watchman conference on Long Island in August. I got the two events mixed up. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Well, well, we'll give the next one to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, LA, you were talking about the, uh, increase in the manifestations of, of evil in this world and of, uh, what in the end times it says about Satan and the deceptions that he uses. And uh, one of the things that I've come across is an old writing that talks about if Satan uh, was so deceitful that he was able to uh, lure angels out of heaven who lived in the presence of God, how much uh, more so can he do to man who who doesn't really know that presence of God? Uh, many don't. And my question to you is, uh, how do you see this playing out? Do you see this... Uh, as a, like a full-blown 
uh, alien invasion, a demonic invasion, dressed up as an alien invasion to present themselves as our saviors. Do you think this is going to take some uh, another form where a man uh, calls himself God and then does all these things, performs all these false signs and wonders? And what is the most important thing believers can do to not fall victim to the smallest deception or the great deception? Well, th- those are great questions. First of all, there are a lot of different scenarios we can plug in here. Right. My favorite scenario is there will be a nuclear event somewhere on this planet, more than likely in the Middle East, and that will set up the greatest climate of fear that the planet's ever known. We'll experience this collectively because of the grid, uh, the information grid. So we'll see it played over and over and over and over again. And in my opinion, if that happens, that's when they'll show up. Um, and there's a saying I've been using as of late, we go up, they show up. So it could be uh, a nuke goes off, we go up, and as we're going up, they're coming down. And that starts up the great deception because the New Agers look at the Christians, the born-again evangelicals, the Bible thumpers, right, as, you know, we're, we're back in the dark ages. We'll, we'll never be able to make this paradigm shift. That's what that's what they say. So this all fits into the idea of being taken, being raptured, um, and I think I think it's close. I mean, I'm not a date setter. You guys know that, but I think we're living in a window of time where um, this thing this thing could happen, you know, sooner than later. Let's put it that way. Yeah, at the at the rate we're going, um, it, it and, and seeing the progression of just the last uh, five ten years, and thinking about how much more. Uh, that this evil can manifest in the next five to ten years. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of room left uh, on the on the other side as far as time is concerned. But let me ask you this, L.A., the recent events in Syria, the president kind of, well, not kind of, he did break you know, some of his campaign promises for whatever reason, a lot, lots of speculation on that. We see this the rise of uh, this Prince Mohammed bin Solomon in Saudi Arabia. Many people like our guest coming up next, Stan Dale, who also wanted to let me know to tell you that he said hello, uh, believes that uh-huh. he plays a big role or could play a big role in uh, these end times events. Any thoughts on this Middle East situation? And, and is are, are we witnessing things like Isaiah 17 and, and other prophecies about the Middle East and the end times come to fruition? Well, absolutely. Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus. Psalm 83 is when Israel basically expands her borders. We're talking Jordan's parts of Syria, mm-hmm. definitely parts of Lebanon, retaking Gaza. I mean, there's going to be a war. Um, uh, look at the saber rattling that's going on in the Middle East right now against Israel. So it's just, a, it's not a bad, you know, question of if, you know, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So yeah, I mean, that's the place to look. Prophecy. Out of the six or seven billion people on the planet, how many people even know about the prophecy of Isaiah 17? It's a very, very small remnant of people. And this is why, um, you know, how many people are really looking forward to the blessed hope? How many people are really looking forward to the return of Jesus the Messiah? I mean, it's a handful. It's a remnant. It's not a billion people. Trust me, it's not. It's I would say it's under 500 million, maybe even less than that. Maybe even less than that. It's not many that are really looking for his coming, that even know about the prophecies. Because a lot of Christians are just, you know, CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. They never crack open their Bible. In fact, there's not even a personal relationship with the Savior. They're not born again in spirit-filled. And as we know, 
unless you're born again and spirit-filled, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Not my words, his words. That's Jesus' words, unless you're born again. So what does that mean? That's when the spirit of the living God comes into a person. How do I get that? I ask. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I, that the sin code is imbued within my entire being, in my in my mind, and I do things that I don't want to do, and I admit that, and I admit that he was sent and died in my place, and that his blood, the life is in the blood. His life in that blood is what sets me free, cleanses me. And when I when I do those two things, when I when I invite him into my life and admit that I need a savior because I'm I'm imbued with the sin code and there's no way out. No way out. But it's still free will. I don't have to go there. I don't think Adolf Hitler went there. What do you think? Or Martin Borman, they were never born again in spirit filled, trust me. So it's 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 free will. And I chose that thirty eight years ago this June and never looked back. And I got one more minute and I gotta go, guys. My show's in five minutes. I gotta rearrange some stuff. Well, LA, I just want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Again, folks, go to net and or go to Hagman Report from there. You can get the links to the DVDs. And if you're going to be in Canton, we look forward to seeing you there. LA will be there with us speaking. And LA, you have a great show. Thanks for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you thank just you this weekend. Guys. Appreciate it. Take care. I'll see you this weekend. Awesome. Buy your ticket, folks. <laughs> yeah, go to CoachDaveLive.com and buy your ticket. That's for sure. As John said, there's only a few left. All right, we got about a minute before we're going to break. When we come back, Stan Deo is going to be on with us. But just a few quick things here. Barbara Bush has passed away. I don't know how many people have seen this uh, just developing in the last few hours. There was news either yesterday or the day before that she was refusing any further medical treatment. And I did not get into the details or read uh, what she, uh, what was going on with her, what kind of treatment she was receiving, and if it was life-sustaining, but it did not take long. Less than 24 hours later, she has been pronounced dead as the family has issued a statement. Pretty surprised that the uh, husband, George Bush Sr., did not go first as he's been really sick for a while, and, you know, she's actually been the one on her feet walking around with him in the wheelchair, but she has passed away at the young age of 92 and we'll talk more about her tomorrow on The Daily Show as I got some stuff about her and Aleister Crowley, a very interesting rumor that dates back a long time ago. But we'll be right back after this brief message, and then you're going to hear from Stan Deo, who joins us each and every Tuesday in the third hour. StanDeo.com is the website. Go to the show images page, and you can follow right along. We'll be right back. final hour on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. I wanted to show you guys something who are watching on video whether live or archive. Eric the Tech, such a, a talented individual, he designed us some new business cards and we got our cards in today and they, uh, they're they really neat. They're they're uh, unlike any other business cards that I've ever had. But not to mention, he only not only got us the business card, he got us each our own initial business card holder. 
Talk about awesome. Which which yeah. actually serves as a survival signal mirror as well. Yeah. But yeah. but this is the little known fact is that Joe was actually holding up his universal health card. Uh and <laughs> it's disguised as a Hagman business card, but uh <laughs> but Joe, you went ahead and finally did it, huh? You signed up for Obamacare and no, 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 no Obamacare. <laughs> Joe's this is a little known fact. Joe's uh uh business card reads Joe Hagman, the Hagman report. And then on the bottom, it just says, on lists of lists. <laughs> <laughs> no, it only has the, the social media information and email information. Learned the hard way not to put your f- personal cell phone number on these business cards when you give them away by the hundreds at conferences and whatnot. Your phone just tends to, to ring and ring and ring and ring, and you don't have time in the day to, to talk to half the people you need to, and then you you got all these other calls. So we, we kept it simple this year. But Eric left room on the back. If I wanted to add a number, we could do that. But to Stan Deo. He comes on each and every Tuesday in hour number three. Go to standeo.com, check out the show images page, and there you can follow along with Stan's research and findings and things he's found interesting that he's posted there for us to uh, review with him. Stan, it's great to have you back on the show. I know we got you connected, but apparently we don't have the video feed. Do you have an audio feed? Yes, we do. All right, how about that one then? Eric says no, not yet. Huh. Yep, he We're said yep. Yeah. There it goes. Mm. There, we see you. Yeah, okay, well, I can't hide then, can I? <laughs> Looking nice tonight, Stan. So, oh, a lot of behind, if you can see. Uh, a lot's happened since the last time you came on. We had uh, the the chemical weapons attack we had the president striking syria and everything in between and then on top of that all the uh, political turmoil that we have here in this country from the corruption in the doj and fbi to the corrupt robert Mueller investigation and the rating of michael cohen trump's personal attorney where do you want to start oh well you talked about all that it's all over the news mm-hmm. um wow Looks like we've got a little bit of a light problem here. Let me just—the wind has been so. Uh, oh gosh! Let me see if I can do it that way. No, that's what you said. We had a, an interesting storm go across the uh, continental United States from uh, the west coast all the way to the east coast, and we got caught up in, in uh, you know some sixty mile an hour winds here ourselves the other day, and uh, some very crazy uh, storms and wind patterns as north of the the jet stream is getting pummeled with winter weather which we had like five inches of of snow today and this after a record breaking record smashing winter we had here it seems that the snow just won't go away we can't catch a break there but the uh weird weather's been all over the country uh this this summer this spring yeah it is all over the country all over the world in fact um we're seeing definite climate change this is not a minor thing um I was just looking here on our show images page at image 44. Um, there's a video that uh, you need to look at. You can do it later, but you can click on it and see it at NASA. They've come back to the late 1800s till 2017 and looked at the uh, temperatures across the planet, the, the anomalous, you know, hot or cold temperatures. And if you look at this, you'll see that uh, in the last 10 years or so, the planet has really heated up. 
you could just watch the progression of it. But it really wasn't until these last 10 years that it really got worse. Now, they're blaming this on, of course, you know, uh, global warming gases and things like that. But I keep telling people it's the sun that's a major driver. Um, the sun is not behaving as it should for this low sunspot uh, uh, dip in its uh, solar sunspot cycle. It should be cooler, quieter, but it's not. Uh, it's running uh, increased solar wind, decreased solar wind. It's uh, got big tears in the coronal atmosphere and then nothing. And, um, you know, I've talked about this many times. It's the sun and it's aging. And I, I think that we are seeing it age quicker than conventional science would say. Um, you know, they still say the universe is 15 billion years old and Earth is billions of years old. I don't believe that. There's just a, a in fact, I've seen evidence on Barry Satterfield's site and others that we do have a young Earth, a young universe, in fact. And uh, that's uh, a discussion for another time. But because of this, we have to uh, realize that our sun may go into early stages of red giant uh, uh, you know, growth where it, it throws off its outer shell uh, of dust and debris that will come our way. Uh, this is in keeping with prophecy, uh, saying that there will be a cloud around the sun and that the, the sun would be dimmed and the, the moon would be turned to blood, its uh, color would be red. And this would happen if a large cloud of debris came off of the sun or if we passed through one in the galactic plane, which is something under discussion at the moment in the scientific communities. Um, uh, yeah. The five inches of snow you got, where we are here in Colorado, we had 50 mile an hour gusts of wind right here at the house. In fact, you can still hear some of the rattling of the, of the window covers out here. Now it's only about 35 mile an hour gusts, but, um, and it was 72 degrees. Uh, and we've had, uh, you know, Holly just reminded me, we've had five days of continuous wind here, which is quite unusual even for Colorado and, and for Pueblo West, which is known for its wind. So we're seeing, climate change and we've been watching this over the last three years particularly here in our orchard uh, where trees have died where trees have uh, sprouted early and then we had a, a snap cold snap that uh, uh, caused the bark to uh, bubble when the sun came up you know in the next few days and it blew bark off of about five of our trees and killed them so we're seeing you know personally that there are a number of issues that point to global climate change now um, climate change Years ago, on Coast to Coast, there was a fellow by the name of, um, oh, um, what's his name, Holly, the weather guy, uh, Ed Dames, uh, Major Dames. And he, at the time, was using remote viewing. He'd been in the Army and, and said he'd developed programs with them. And, you know, I thought, okay, maybe what he says is true or not, because some of the things he used remote viewing for didn't come out, didn't pan out at all. But one of the things that he did say that I've remembered was that, during the climate change to come, there would be a sudden uh, microbursts of wind come dropping out of the sky. It can even be in a clear blue sky, drop down and cut across the land. Uh, we've seen one or two of these in the past 15 years here in America, and it just cuts a swath. It will cut the pine trees right off at the at the ground level as it moves across. It just drops out suddenly. So. Um, I, when I see these winds like we've got now continuous uh, for a week here or so, um, and seeing the temperatures go awry and seeing you getting uh, lots of snow, uh, just where you shouldn't be, you should be in spring now starting to, uh, to see things bloom. It tells me that we are in a period where we have extreme high temperatures 
and extreme low temperatures on the planet. And between these two, we have what's called a heat engine to make hurricanes and tornadoes. Um, so your weather is just like our weather today, uh, a sign of what is coming. Um, you know, what is in progress, actually. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, you know, that's what... there's no denying that things are, are changing. I saw, I think, on the Weather Channel today or yesterday an article about the jet stream and how uh, over the last 1,500 years the jet stream has changed, but more rapidly here as in the, in the recent past, and how they say it's in danger of really uh, changing a number of things from a, a rise in the sea level in the eastern part of the United States to uh, much more severe temperatures and weather in Europe, and it listed all these uh, things that could happen if the jet stream stops or, or changes uh, from the way it's been operating for the last 1500 years that I'm sure that plays a part into this too uh, and from the, the magnetic poles to the uh, behavior of the sun to the geoengineering and the manipulation we see by governments and, and whatnot it's almost like they're creating a, a perfect storm and not to mention uh, on top of that the, the Lord's plan and what he uh, has planned for us in these times so it is definitely something going on, and everybody wants to, you know, say it's this or that. It's only there's only scientific answers, there's only religious answers, but I don't know that it's that, that it's that simple. Hmm. No, no, um, there are a lot of factors to play here. We do have human intervention, and we do have some uh, greenhouse gas production. We also have weather model. My opinion from research I've done, I think the chemtrails primarily were used to shield the earth in various places from solar radiation to control temperatures for crop reasons and, and things like that. Um, however, uh, the, the sun is the major driver behind all this. Going over to the solar events, uh, an image uh, uh, 43 on the show images page, uh, what really got my attention here uh, recently was the uh, passage of that Asteroid right between the Earth and the Moon, halfway yeah. between it. Uh, you know, that's, uh, if you go to over the, the space weather page, you can see more of the details of it there. Um, and Stan, my that, question was, they said it was the closest call in, in, in record. Now, were they talking about for something that size? Because I thought we've had much closer calls than that. We've had closer calls of smaller ones, but uh, this one would equal the size of the meteor that caused the Tunguska explosion over Siberia at the turn of the, uh, the 20th century. My grandfather actually saw that uh, go over the United States before it hit uh, Russia. Now, that thing made a damage crater or a damage zone, if you wish, of a thousand miles uh, over in Siberia. If this thing had hit, which is about the same size, if it had hit, say, the uh, New England states or something like that, um, a third of America would be decimated, just wiped out. So that's why they say it was, you know, the largest in, in quite a while. They do mention the Tunguska impactor in the article and the Chelyabinsk meteor over Russia that occurred in 2013. So you, if you go to that link and read about it, you'll see what, what they're talking about there. You can actually see this uh, astronomer, an amateur astronomer there, was uh, focusing his uh, nighttime telescope and recording up uh, in the sky. And he actually caught video of this thing coming through the sky. You can see it going from the lower right to the upper left uh, corner. That's it. You've got no, it. I'm watching it, yeah. Wow. Awesome. 
Are you getting a, an echo back there? No, Stan, but um, L.A. Marzulli was on before you, and he had some issues saying he was hearing our voices coming through echoey. Yeah, let me let me check in here, Stan. Stan, good evening. John Robertson sitting in for Doug. How's how's my audio? Uh, do a test one two three. Check one two three. Test test one two three. Um, yours is kind of okay, but you um, instead of echoing, you your words will double up. You might say three three. Uh, <laughs> that's not an echo, but that's happening. Well, let, let's do this, Stan. Well, while while. Uh, Forgive me. While while Eric uh, pushes buttons and and moves levers up and down over in the the command module, um, I've I have a question that that I've been curious to get your opinion on over the past couple weeks, Dan. Now this uh, segues uh, off of some of these. But today on the Hagman Daily Show, uh, Joe and I posed this question to our listeners, and I would really love. We uh, have been, you know, waiting with bated breath over the past 10 days as we see this whole geopolitical thing play out, and I know you covered it extensively last week. Uh, however, with weather modification, with the different cyber capabilities and And do you suspect asymmetric warfare play out right before our eyes day in and day out and because the media doesn't recognize it as such just sort of passes by us in the news cycle we don't recognize it as an asymmetric act of war and I'm thinking particularly right now of weather modification I'll remind you of the enormous flooding that took place uh, a few years back in Pakistan for example Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Nod Loud your head. Can you yes, hear me? Yes, I hear you good. All, I hear you fine. all I am getting from your side is something like a robot going, uh, eh, ah, oh, eh. I mean, really bad. <laughs> okay. We'll reconnect. We'll, we'll, re we'll reconnect with you, Stan. Bear, bear with us, uh, listeners, viewers. We'll grab uh, Stan Deo back here momentarily. Joe, it must Hold be a Tuesday. A well, no, I want to say this because there's <laughs> something weird going on with the Internet, uh, both at, at my house and the studio with certain websites and I had uh, a weird screen pop up at my house and I had a weird screen my, my father had a weird screen pop up here where it said uh, you have to register your new modem you can't access the internet very strange and now I couldn't access the dredge report I can't access all these other sites through my uh, one browser and I've been having problems on systems like yes. Skype and YouTube at, just since the last two three the days. last two three days okay so so listeners viewers let's uh, let's <laughs> let's have a quick little uh, we'll, we'll we'll carp at one another for a moment have you had this happen I will go to a reputable well-recognized site some of them have been bookmarked in my device uh, for you know four or five years and it will say this is a website I'm paraphrasing but it'll say this website is pretending to be cnbc.com or this yeah. website's pretending to be uh the daily sheeple.com we we suggest that you return to your original search and i've been getting that a lot the last three or four days uh i just asked stan Deo about asymmetric warfare who knows joe maybe the russians are inserting some uh gremlins in uh in our 
uh, IT capabilities here. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I mean, whatever's going on, there is some kind of, it seems like a bug or, or a virus that is in the internet or in the computers, and maybe it's certain operating systems or certain networks it's targeting. I don't know, but like I said, it, it seems to be uh, an issue that's not isolated to one browser or one area. It seems that a lot of people have been having problems, right. and I'm not the only one. Uh, even like I said, it's uh, I live in the in the city of, uh, and uh, here in the studios in a in a suburb of the city, uh, a different township name and uh, different hookups with everything, and uh, they're they're having the same problems. And then you see people uh, talking about huge problems on Skype and on other websites and and weird pop up messages that they're getting. So I think something happened uh on with the internet over the last two days i don't know what it is but it's making skype much more difficult to use it's making uh youtube much more difficult to use and and so many of these other things uh such like access to sites so we do have stan back with us and stan again we have you connected but we don't have the video and how is our audio sounding your audio is much better no echo and whatever and as i (laughs) And pressing on my button here to activate the camera, uh, it it's not working. Well, okay, we're going to go on audio <laughs> mode, Stan. Uh, how about how about how, how about this? Are we good there? Yes, yes. Say we're good there. We're good there. Right? You got uh, video I, now? Don't know. There we go. There yep. we go. All right, you're 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 back with us, Stan. Uh, uh, so so to to move along quickly, I, I know that we had very poor audio uh, in the last question I asked you, but uh, I'll give you the the nickel version. My question, Stan, was simply this: When we look at asymmetric warfare, cyber attacks, uh, the potential for EMP, uh, the domino, the first domino cascading effect, if you will, of our various infrastructure. I'm thinking particularly of the grid. The, the incident in Santa Clara County a couple of years back. I'm thinking about the weather modification that we see clearly demonstrated, particularly in places like Pakistan uh, after the Arab Spring. My question for you, Stan, in a nutshell was, do you suspect that we witness, that all of us as consumers of news, be it new media or mainstream media, are we witnessing... Uh, uh, salvos being thrown back and forth between, for example, Russia and the United States, North Korea and the United States, Israel and Iran, etc., in the asymmetric warfare battle space. And of course, we don't recognize them as, as such because we think it's just uh, bizarre weather patterns, or we say, "Oh, gee, too bad Amazon crashed over in uh, Russia for a day." No, I think there are some asymmetric attacks uh, on all sides. Uh, Chinese are big offenders. Russia is a big offender, and, and we fight back with them. Um, this is in the electronics. Uh, you've also got weather modification. Uh, this becomes very problematic because although uh, the three major powers in the world do have technology to um, um, change the weather in the upper atmosphere like harp-type uh, devices and processes, um, if they are all using them, they have to try to cause the weather effect that they want to cause on the enemy uh, to by changing uh, conditions on the planet that will take weeks or months to manifest. So in the meantime, if the other guy is doing the same thing but trying to do it a different way, it produces crazy effects. And you don't always know that the other guy is doing his modification because it can be done without uh, you know, uh, radio signals that you can detect. They might be doing things like 
uh, increasing the, uh, the thermal absorption of the Siberian permafrost or something like that, which changes the overhead weather patterns going into the northwest of the United States and uh, in Alaska. Um, so, yeah, uh, these asymmetric attacks uh, can get very confusing, and especially electronically, uh, depending on which side has the, the best cyber guys, um, they can meet in the middle and cause unpredictable uh, effects. Now, certainly, uh, Russia could go after our power system, our grid, or local parts of it, in retaliation for what uh, we've done in Syria, perhaps, or for some other reason. We know that, that Russia wants to maintain its dominant position down there in the Mediterranean area, excuse me, with Syria, uh, an occupation there. But to do what they want to with Israel, uh, to go in, in concert with uh, Syria, Syria and Iran, they need to uh, get rid of the U.S. ability to stop uh, anybody invading Israel. Uh, one of the ways to do that is, of course, to hit our electronics, our power supplies here in the United States. Uh, we would be turned into pandemonium, pure chaos, if they did a, a, an EMP strike uh, on the United States. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a number of times. The EMP shield that we've made is for that very event. And this week, uh, without giving you the details, we're meeting with the United States Army um, about designing special forms of our invention for them to use to protect their facilities. Um, and, and also with the, you know, next week we'll be talking to a national representative uh, from the EMP Council. Uh, this is how important it is that the, the Army is even talking to us. They, they say, look, can we uh, come talk to you because we want to use these. They're concerned because they don't want the civilian populace and business to be totally wiped out when the attack starts, and it certainly will at some point. So that's why these asymmetric things are happening. They are each side, we're, we're doing it to testing the other side's ability to detect or deflect um, you know, our EMP attacks on their infrastructure. This is war, and it's war that's going to happen in a matter of hours, maybe days, but not weeks and months. It will happen suddenly when it happens, and America is not going to come out on top of this one. We, we are going to hurt because we are so dependent on the the, uh, the power grid and electronics. Um, wow. It, you know, the, the, listeners, you heard it right there from the mouth of Stan Deo, our, our guest here, third hour on Tuesdays and every third hour on Tuesdays. Quote, this is war, end quote. And, uh, of course, the question I think that keeps many people up at night, particularly the last week or two, uh, to what what level, what level of severity uh, will this uh, escalate to? Perhaps, uh, if the uh, the good Lord and the Holy Spirit intervenes, we will uh, we will see cooler heads prevail. One more question, uh, Stan, uh, as we discuss asymmetric warfare. The Donald Cook, uh, we had not one but two occurrences in the last, let's call it three years, three three four years, I believe. Uh, in your personal opinion, Stan, did we witness, and again, this kind of ties back into the last question, This was, did, was this asymmetric warfare that, that moved through the news cycle but was not recognized as such except for, of course, the power players, those who know what's really going on? Uh, do you think, Stan, that what happened to the Donald Cook from the Russian Su-24, the air assets, was a localized DMP? You know, John, I think you're talking about the... The Cook incident. Uh, your your audio is so bad again. I could you try to repeat that question or short form of it? Uh, yes, uh, Stan, I will. Uh, short form. Uh, 
not not one but two occurrences with the Donald Cook over the past five years, both from Russian air assets. Do you believe that the IT uh, issue on the Donald Cook was a localized EMP that was create that was created by those local uh, Russian air assets? It could be. It could be. I know that I suspected um, foul play in the electronics in the uh, uh, the ships over in the. Uh, China Sea and, and Sea of Japan and that area there that have either gone aground or run into each other uh, in the past two or three years. I, I don't believe that the commanders of these ships were at fault. But anyway, yes, I do think that they've been testing these things. We've been testing them. Uh, Raytheon has, has uh, developed and tested uh, and, and put into service um, a kind of uh, Tomahawk missile that has a high-density microwave uh, emitter in the front of it, and it can instead of making an EMP over a whole city, it can target a ship or a building and bathe it in this burst of microwave, which will fry the electronics. And as I said, all of our, our modern inventions are based on electronics. Uh, the Russians, a long time ago, I mean like 30 years ago, started developing um, a, um, a hydraulic computer, which used... Uh, like pressure waves in channels and, and it was like a almost electrical mechanical but it was really more mechanical than electrical so that if there were an EMP pulse their computers crude as they might be would still work um, and, and you know they've also done things like for 30-40 years ago they were developing compressed wood stocks for their, their their hand weapons for the soldiers so that they couldn't be detected as easily would make as much noise and they were lighter um, so they've got you know wooden rifles and things of, of this nature um, they've been preparing for this for a long time, even before the Soviet Union broke up. Stan, let me let me jump in quickly because you really you really piqued my interest here. Did you just suggest? I want to make sure I got this correct. A, a a thirty years ago, a hydraulic computer. I would assume that that would, as you said, it would be mechanical. It wouldn't run off zeros and ones. It wouldn't be a binary code type thing. Uh, I'm not the biggest computer guy, but the, but I love the history of tech. Can you explain this a little better? I've ne- I've never Stan. I've never heard of a hydraulic computer. <laughs> well, they had a way, you know, to uh, to pump, pressurize uh, a matrix of channels instead of wires. They had little tiny channels. Uh, some uh, one of the experiments used a type of fluid. Another used air. The the fluid one was more reliable because it was uh, not compressible. And what they would do is they could shoot fluid in and close a gate you know, like a bit and uh, then another one another I'm doing it very slow of course they did it a lot faster but um, by using pressurized water jets through these huge nests of uh, channels they could simulate electron flow that we use to make uh, you know bits and, and bytes but they did it with this mechanical fluid being directed uh, inside the, what would be the memory or the processor of this mechanical computer. Um, how far they've gotten on it, I don't know. I'm sure they kept that classified, but they were preparing back then, as I say, for the loss of electronics and electricity in the main to run these computers. Now, I don't know if they have any in orbit that they can uh, communicate with, uh, you know, with some kind of a radio device if they've still got them working to make those work in orbit, but they certainly have been doing interrestrial experiments uh, at least 30, maybe 40 years ago. Um, I'll try to find the articles on that uh, next week, but um, 
yeah, it's 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 slower. It's not like a supercomputer. It's a, a very basic computer, but it does work without electricity uh, in the in the memory. They still have to use a pump to, to pressurize the hydraulics, but uh, that can be done with a local generator that you uh, fuel with, you know, gasoline or diesel or something. Okay. I'm I'm telling you, these guys. They've been planning for this while we've been trying to make peace and do all this other kind of stuff. Uh, while we've had very liberal administrations that focus our money and, and, and research on other things, the Russians and the Chinese have both been exploring what they need to do to cripple us and to win the planet. And I think China, in the long term, it will probably be the last player before the Lord comes. Stan, um, what we're going to do, because we're having not only problems with audio between you and us, but also indicators here in the studio are telling us there's a some kind of problem or issue with the Internet, we're going to disconnect, and Todd's going to call you via phone, and we'll continue the uh, last 20 minutes of this interview uh, via audio, if that's okay with you. Yep, yep. I'll switch to uh, to audio. Give me about 30 seconds. Okay, and then coming back, if we can get into the earthquake maps on the show images page, and then and then go from there. So, all right, we'll okay. reconnect with you in just a moment. Joe, can you can you believe what Stan was just telling us? If I understood that correctly, and again, I'm not the most tech savvy person. A, a computer that uses either air or water mm-hmm. pressure basically to open and shut gates, which, which takes us back to the transistor technology basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Opening or shutting fast enough to actually, to actually create computation. I've never heard of that before. It's remarkable. And I want to ask you something else. I can too. understand it. Before we bring Stan back. Th- does it peeve you a little bit that th- I've had a, a couple of personal Russian friends, even had a, a Russian girlfriend for a short time. They are way better prepped than we are. Of the, course, the, they yeah, have. They, they take they've this grown stuff up seriously. With, they're like our grandparents were. They grew up and and are always on the verge of a survival situation. They they you know don't know. Uh, and think about that. I mean, when I grew up, I remember in both of my my grandparents on my mother's side and on my father's side in their basements they had. Uh, racks and racks and racks of all these canned of the foods. jars and yes. oh yeah yeah and yeah. and and today you can't find you know if you go into ten households you'll be lucky to find one house that has you know uh, some kind of food supply in in their basement but this is you know how they lived because these people grew up through the Great Depression they grew up through the banking crisis they grew up in hard times where they had no convenience stores or money to go buy food. And this was the only way to ensure that when things got really bad and really thin, that you had those extra supplies in order to uh, be able to feed your family. But today, what, they say we're three meals away from uh, complete anarchy if the supply chains were to stop? Well, That's you know, a very telling thing. Joe, but we have you, stand back with you. I know we do. You can hear it. You can hear just a, just a tinge of frustration in our, our guest, Stan Deo's voice, as he explains, for those of you who are just joining us here on the Hagman Report, that uh, whether it's with the advent of hydraulic computers or with uh, President Putin's order in late 2016 that evacuated millions of Muscovites and other uh, urban dwellers in uh, Russia to uh, what we called fallout shelters back in the uh, Cold War era, uh, the Russians seem to be taking this uh, geopolitical era and their preparations therein more seriously uh, Joe, than we do. Stan, uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you for your patience this evening. Oh, those things happen. Uh, I think we're going to be expecting a lot more of this, uh, you know, electronic <laughs> interference. Uh, at least at the moment, we've got satellites still working up in the, <laughs> the sky there somewhere. Oh, dear. 
Well, I fear you may be right. Joe Joe is uh, dying to get into some of the earthquake mapping that you've done. And thank you, by the way, for always taking the time you do to create such uh, such lovely show pages. And they really yeah. serve as great tools, too. They yeah, really do. They do. And we got a few emails from listeners saying, when are you going to get into the, the stuff on the show images page? But we already did 43 and 44 for the listeners out there. So, But, yeah, let's continue. Okay. Um, I'm just uh, linking some of this in here at the moment. I was... Uh I, I'm missing a link or two on the earthquake things, but I'm I'm trying to get uh, image. Uh, what are we looking at here? Forty, forty, forty-six up to start with. Um, you can see the small icon of it. I'm just now going to link that in. I think I've done that. Okay. Um, it, it's a, a, a global look at the earthquake map for the last uh, two weeks. Uh, very interesting in that uh, the there's an increase in the small earthquakes, you know, like in the ones, twos, and like that, uh, in the uh, in Alaska and on the west coast. The official position is at the moment that we should be prepared for massive earthquakes on the west coast, and possibly in, in Alaska. Um, the big one may be coming. Uh, these stresses we know on the kind of northeast part of the Ring of Fire, which runs from Alaska all the way down to uh, almost down to San, uh, San Diego. But that whole area has been under stress and not relieving enough of it. Um, the, the plates are kind of stuck, and, and they're trying to move, and there's going to be one giant leap that's the kind of elastic tension between releases, and there'll be a jump, and that'll be the big earthquake we're talking about. And it'll have a lot of smaller earthquakes, you know, like Richter 8's smaller ones, right? Um, the Juan de Fuca plate up off the coast of Oregon and Washington, that is the one that is going to be a real problematic issue. And we, we saw just a couple of small earthquakes up there in the last week, week to 10 days. Um, but as I as I said, the concern at the moment is that this uh, darn thing is going to release the big one. These are small precursor quakes happening. And uh, that... Uh, Okay, good. Uh, image 46, if you click on that and have a look at it and zoom it up, I hope you can see that on your screen. You'll see clusters, lots, like there are 3,000 earthquakes in Alaska in the last two weeks. Look at those up there, 3,000. We had only about 2,000 of them, the smaller ones down in the northwest of the United States, you can see in image 46. And if you go to image 47, I zoom into those areas so you can see that the, the larger quakes uh, in those two areas I was just talking about. And what you see is, you know, activity offshore, uh, south of uh, Fairbanks, uh, up in Alaska there. On the plate tectonic border, there is a hot spot there where a lot of quakes, several hundred of them occurred in the last uh, uh, two weeks. You'll see that cluster there. And I don't know what's doing that you know it's a localized event uh and there doesn't doesn't seem to be any uh, oceanic submarine volcanoes or anything involved that would cause that so i don't know why that's happening unless what they say is true we're about to see a massive release of the seismic pressure in the northeast part of the ring of fire this is definitely a serious issue um my partner over in, in uh, the jewelry business, the Garden of Eden jewelry business, uh, talked to me on the phone today. And he said, hey, have you have you picked this up? And I said, oh, I've seen a few quakes. He said, look at the last two weeks. It's, they're getting serious about it. And I had missed that article. So I, I thank you, Jared, for that. But this is what 
increase in the precursor type earthquakes um, and and the, the ones you see in the middle of the United States and Oklahoma that's continuation of the fracturing or you know of the gas wells and stuff like that uh, fracking but um, the ones over in Southern California and running up the coast up to the foot of the Juan de Fuca that's that kind of uh, looks like a uh, an elephant foot sticking down there in red outlines. Those quakes there uh, are a concern. Whenever you see those start to release uh, a number of them like this uh, in, in a size that's kind of appreciable, you know that there's activity happening on a larger scale in that area, and that's where the 9.5 Richter, maybe even more, will occur. And off to the right of that, you'll see a red dot, which is an earthquake, a small one, uh, two, two and a half uh, point. But that's over Yellowstone, and there are a cluster of those there. And if you follow the outline underneath that uh, one over Yellowstone, down around, down into Southern California, up the West Coast, back up to uh, the tip of Washington, you see a whole chunk of the Northwest surrounded by a weakness in the in the crust. So when the big one occurs, we're going to see events, I think, all across that area, um, floods, earthquakes, volcanoes, everything, as this starts. So we could be days or minutes away from this happening. So keep an eye on this. Yeah, I mean, I always pay attention to, to to these things, and I've done extensive studies on data as far as the depths and, and the, the frequencies and the locations, and uh, th- this stuff just fascinates me. And I, um, you know, I, I have studied the New Madrid. I've studied the what happened in South Carolina in the 1800s and in San Francisco in 1909. And uh, there's actually some re- really great reinvented footage of some of these uh, disasters that uh, they, they've kind of brought them back to life, if you will, from some of the first recordings. And it's a fascinating history, and it makes you wonder what else could we see in this country as far as these huge earthquake disasters, and how much worse will they be with you know the the huge number of populated areas we have in the same areas where when these hit before, you know, you had one one hundredth, one one thousandth of this of the amounts of people in these areas. It's a uh, Makes you wonder. Well, you were talking just as uh, we came back on air together. You were talking uh, about uh, preparing and how they, you know, our grandparents and everybody used to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, it, definitely, you need to prepare. I mean, Holly's mother did that, and that's what uh, started Holly uh, in uh, her early years. In fact, her late ten- teens, she was starting to gather information on, uh, you know, for herself on how to prepare for disasters. That's why she eventually wrote the Dare to Prepare book. Uh, it's going to be imperative for people in these areas where these events are going to take place to be prepared to, you know, like be all alone, have your own power or have your own food and water, emergency supplies. Uh, you're not going to call 911 and get help. There are going to be so many people in strife that, that they're not going to answer. Uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, a busy signal. Um, look at um, look at image 50. Zoom that one up. That gives you a better idea of the stress points in Alaska in the last two weeks. You can see this, um, and you can also see there's no oh, yeah. reason for that, that cluster of quakes down there in the Gulf. Uh, it's just it's just everywhere. <laughs> I am amazed. Look at that. The fault lines, the, the red things are the fault lines in plate tectonic borders. If you, You'll see an arc of red up, uh, to the left of the word Yukon. Uh, that arc of red is what the USGS puts as the seismic fault zone in Alaska, and you'll see that the the left side of it has a cluster of uh, quakes there, which is almost 
directly above the one down in the Gulf. Um, are they connected? I don't know. There's another one down at the tip there, uh, you know, between those two off to the left a bit. You can see three major clusters of quakes. Uh, and if you look at so, image 51, Stan, uh, that's quick question. a question. Before we move Sorry, on from yeah. image 50, just a quick, quick question, and, and bear with me, uh, listeners and viewers, because uh, I just traveled back to Erie yesterday from uh, where my mom lives, right on the Straits of San Juan de Fuca. Uh, Stan, my mom lives a, a near Port Angeles, Washington, so bear with me, but I'm a little concerned about these clusters that uh, are shown in the last two images that you shared with us this evening. Uh, just for all of our viewers and listeners on the West Coast, and there's a lot of them, uh, would you say, what, what's the more dangerous zone right now? Would it be up near the Straits of San Juan de Fuca, the Olympic Peninsula in Washington? Is it Los Angeles, or is it the San Francisco Bay Area? Where's the real danger zone right now, Stan? That's, that's a really good question. Um, USGS couldn't answer it either. Um, all I can tell you is that they are indicating they think the big one will occur. Now, that if they are talking about the uh, San Andreas Fault, that is fed by the tip of the Mendocino Fault uh, Ridge coming in from the Pacific into uh, Northern California, just above that. And that's at the foot of the Juan de Fuca Plate, as you say. Um, if you get a major movement at the Juan de Fuca Plate, it's going to trigger the San Andreas, as well as a number of others up in Washington. Um, there will be tidal waves from something like this. Uh, there will be the initial one and several thereafter for about 24 hours, sweeping back and forth across the coastline. For for officials to come out and say, we are concerned that this is a precursor to a major, the major one, you know, the big one, uh, they don't do that, you know, uh, ill-advised. They, they know what they're saying and what people will react to. It's time to either get prepared or go on holidays toward the east somewhere across the mountain. I had a dream <laughs> vision years ago, John. Uh, I, I was still in the Strait at the time, that, and I only get these dream visions infrequently, but they are real, and I'm there present. You know, I can feel the temperature of the air and everything. I was in the air over um, the Juan of Fuca Plate area looking down toward San Diego, and I could even see down to Mexico City. And there were seven, maybe eight volcanoes starting up in Washington, going all the way down to Popocatépetl in Mexico, in Mexico City all erupting at the same time. And the only way that can happen is if that that large edge of our tectonic plate is breaking, you know, weakening so that the magma pressure can come up. I saw it uh, blowing hot ash and, and uh, gases all over the West Coast. I saw people trying to drive in the mountain passes to get over into Idaho or somewhere east uh, safe, and they were slipping off of the roads because they were slippery ash on the roads and you go to make a turn you slide right off into the valley in the ditch um people were panicking uh, for good reason uh, now Stan, i i remember i remember as a as a young listener to the hagman report uh i used to just i would move my hand as fast as i could possibly make notations when you would join doug and joe hagman back in the in the truly vintage years uh, and some of your dreams, uh, I want to, th I want to thank you very little, kept me up all night. Um, but Stan, um, one of, one of the things we've learned over the years is that, is that this may seem counterintuitive, but we have an enormous, uh, audience in California, both in, in Southern California as well as in the, uh, Sacramento Valley, San Francisco Bay Area. 
uh, and and then again when we look at the Olympic Peninsula, just for the benefit of of these enormous population centers, I know it varies uh, quake by quake, but if as far as early warning systems go, and they do have some pretty, I think some pretty state of the art warning systems in these areas. Uh, if there were, let's say, a, a 7.0 plus on the Olympic Peninsula, that, that would be the, the Strait of San Juan de Fuca. Uh, you know, they live; those people live at 40 to 50, maybe 60 feet above sea level. So they are in, um, they are in tsunami red zone, big time. Stan, approximately how much time? Because what's interesting about that area is you've got the Cascade Mountain Range right there, and the in, many entrances to the Olympic National Forest are literally within 10 linear miles of the coast of San Juan de Fuca. Any idea, Stan, how much time uh, listeners would have from the time they feel the shaking to the time they need to have the pets, the kids in the car, and be heading immediately to the Olympic National Forest to gain those several thousand feet of elevation? Well, if it's a 7.5, um, I don't think that's going to be a, a, uh, a major tsunami event on the uh, Olympic Peninsula. Um, the event that killed a quarter of a million people down in, uh, near uh, Java in Indonesia a few years back, that was a Richter 9, 9 plus. Uh, you have to have a big one like that to make just that will go up into the land and, and above 50 foot altitude. People along, there's a river there, I can't remember the name, between Washington and Oregon, there's a river that goes inland. And they have seen by analyzing the, the uh, sediments there that they, at one time there was a uh, a tsunami that did run up the channel several miles uh, because it was a low place and they could convey it. So people living near the riverbanks along that could, uh, you know, get uh, water surge or, or damage from a tsunami. The earthquake, uh, that size earthquake, will break communications and power lines and uh, gas lines. There'll be fires. We've had such a dry year uh, and last year as well that uh, you would expect a lot of fires to break out there and, and further south in uh, California as well. And you can see what fire does in California from what's happened this year already. It's it's primed. So people, you might have a minute, two minutes warning maximum from the early warning systems they put in place. Um, the USGS, you know, they, they aren't all seeing, all dancing. They are people like us using data and estimating and guessing. And they put their jobs on the line when they guess and say, ah, there's a big earthquake coming or there's a big volcano about to happen in two minutes. They don't do that lightly because it means their job if they screw up. If they don't tell you in time, they're in trouble. If they do tell you and it doesn't happen, they're in trouble. Uh, that's the pressure on them. So they're very cautious, and there's also uh, White House uh, uh, rules in place that uh, they don't do anything telling the public until they consult with the White House uh, science team about this and whether to announce and what to announce. My opinion well, yeah. is this. With this latest uh, set of uh, articles on this, warning of this, People in those zones should um, prepare, should get their emergency food supplies. In fact, go to our website, standeo.com, and up in the upper left-hand corner of, of the uh, website, you'll see a place where you can go to get uh, free prep advice. Uh, you'll see up there in the very first top left orange button, it says Holly's Prep, and it's, uh, there's also nuclear biological prep as all well and threat watch. But go to Holly's Prep page. And there's a lot of free information on the side that you can click on and get all kinds of things to basically tell you what you need to do. If you want to, if there's time, get there to prepare the, the book that's got all this in print and pictures, and it will help you. They, even if you haven't done any preparation before, 
getting that now would uh, allow you to start gradually building up what you need uh, for your area for earthquakes or volcanoes and, and tsunamis. I joke with some of my friends living in California, and I say, hey, are you still sleeping with that inflated rubber tire next to the bed? Um, and one of them that I, I talked to about that, she says, well, no, we're not, but my neighbor across the street's a fireman, and he's got a boat parked in the backyard. We're all going to run to that. He's invited us to get on the boat with him if if we do subside and, and the water starts coming into our neighborhood. Um, and so you have to look at these things, put your mind in that condition, that situation, and say, okay, if this happens, that happens, how will we weather it? Will we have phones that work? Uh, you know, will I be away from home and, and the away from the wife and the kids and, you know, vice versa? Uh, it's it's time to make a list of those things as quickly as you can. Get your important papers, uh, you know, in a, in a waterproof bag. Um, we saw that on the, the uh, documentary here recently about the fires in uh, in, in uh, California where people had to grab their, their life's papers and pictures and whatever in a sack and run or drive out of the area where the fires were coming. So it's not just earthquake and flooding, it's fires as well. Um, yeah, it is. So, so get prepared, guys. I can, I can only tell you that uh, about the thousandth time. Don't put it off any longer. It's very well, close. <laughs> Well, Stan, you know, uh, first of all, I, I want to thank you. And, and of course, that thanks is extended to uh, other Hagman favorites, certainly Steve Quayle, uh, James Wesley Rawls, and yourself and Holly Deo. For our newer listeners who may not be as familiar uh, with your family's work over these last many years, Stan, uh, Holly's book, Dare to Prepare, is, is an absolute one-stop shop. It is a great place to start. Uh, your journey toward not just preparation, but becoming preparedness minded. And Stan, of course, this would be a different show for another time, but, but preparedness minded, once you adopt that lifestyle, it really becomes a, a part of you. And I just cannot emphasize this enough that, uh, we would be remiss here at the Hagman Report, uh, all of us on Team Hagman, if we didn't listen to guests like yourself, Stan Deo, like your wife, Holly, who put such a wonderful, comprehensive how to guide together. Uh, Stan, I'll just say this, and I'm going to hand it back to Joe because I know he's got some questions for you as well. But uh, ever since the what I would call the the political miracle of November 2016 and the election of Donald J. Trump, I have felt, I mean, Stan, I feel it, I know it like I know my name. Uh, we've been given a re- we've been given respite for whatever reason in, in God's sovereign uh, mind. We've been given respite, and I just, I I say this with sincerity and love to all of our listeners, please use this time to adopt a more preparedness mindset. And again, this is not meant to be a a, a cheap plug, but Dare to Prepare, Stan Deo, Holly Deo is a great place to start. Now, Stan, I'm going to hand it over to Joe because... Uh, we've been, we've been excited about this for, for months since you started telling us about it, uh, last year. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and take some time here on the show to go into EMP Shield a little bit. And with that, I'll hand it to Joe. Yes, right. Dan. I, w- I wanted to talk to you about your, uh, endeavors, especially your successful EMP Shield that is, uh, you know, has got so much attention, uh, and you have been so successful in putting together this product. And with all the talk of, or recently we saw an article about uh, Israeli ships, uh, warships launching missiles into Syria and Syria, Syria's air defense systems shooting down those missiles. Well, come to find out a day later that the United States and Israel conducted a cyber attack on Syria, uh, giving their, them a false uh, uh, positive that missiles were incoming, where 
leaving them to launch these uh, counter missiles to shoot down the incoming missiles that never were coming that were based on a cybersecurity attack. With that level of sophistication and ability ability of other governments to use cyber weapons to launch missiles and the the applications are endless. I mean, who's to say the United States could not uh, cyber attack North Korea to launch a nuclear EMP over the United States and just to blame it on North Korea? So I said that to so people understand that the capabilities are there regardless of where the blame is placed. Your device, the EMP shield, protects against not only the sun's effects on on and the the EMP that. Uh, uh, EMP effects it can have from the sun, but also from these other weapons and, and uh, whatnot that could be used against us. Uh, does it protect against everything? The nuclear blast, the, the coronal mass ejections, and everything it's, in between? Yeah, it does. It does protect from solar uh, coronal mass ejection, uh, you know, uh, EMPs caused by that, uh, solar EMP. Lightning flash, lightning strikes, you know, not directly on you, but in your uh, neighborhood. And also against man-made nuclear EMP detonations. Now, as you say, our technology is such, we've got things in orbit, the Russians got things in orbit, the Chinese have got it, and even the, the, the North Koreans have got satellites in orbit that are at the right altitude already. Now, all you got to do is push a button, and it'll, it'll uh, make an EMP over your target. So we may have, you know, a doomsday weapon, you know, uh, a Dr. Strangelove-type weapon, uh, and the Russians as well, which says if, if uh, the opposition nukes us with an EMP, then automatically nuke them. And these things in orbit, you know, they're there. They're already programmed to do whatever. And I know that the uh, Defense Department's been putting out some secret payloads with SpaceX here over the last few months. Um, yeah, this is going to happen. We're, we're going to see something, I think, that will make the description of the Battle of Armageddon come true. And that is that Israel, after they defeat, and God helps them defeat the, the invading armies from the north, that Israel is going to burn the weapons of war for seven years. What what would the, the compressed wood stocks that the Russians have? The blood is going to rise up to uh, you know uh, a bridle's uh, you know, horse bridle's depth in the Battle of Armageddon. You know why are we talking horses when we've got tanks and electronics? Ah, both both sides have had electronic damage, and they have to result you know resort to horses and you know horse drawn carts and whatever. Um, so I can see that this EMP business is going to be a major player in rearranging the, the global world power structure almost, you know, immediately. Uh, so, you know, the Russians have been breeding horses and they've got horse brigades and this kind of stuff. We haven't been doing that. Uh, the Chinese have. Uh, get prepared. I mean, all we can say is when we're hit, and we will be hit, uh, we'll need to try to reconstruct what's left of American population in uh, reconstruction cities, you know, in survivor cities. And these will build up around the homes that have uh, solar power backup, uh, diesel, uh, wind, uh, these kind of things, and have had EMP shields on all those power supplies. Um, we have a number of our clients that are already doing this, uh, you know, like uh, big uh, solar arrays being protected and, you know, uh, their wind system, wind farms, all that kind of stuff. Um, so do it. Uh, we, we've done everything we can to help reconstruct you know, America after we're hit. But, you know, if you don't participate, you're going to be left behind. And Stan, you were cutting out there a little bit. Uh, Sorry. I, I, I think I...
for whatever reason, we continue to have these audio difficulties where you were talking and then three or four seconds of silence and then you come back talking and then three or four seconds of, of silence. So we do uh, truly apologize for these glitches, Stan. But you've taken I'm us to the end of the too. show. You're, you're, you're uh, bleeping out here, too. I'm just trying to fill in the blanks. <laughs> well, Stan, we're going to let you go. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell Holly we said hi. I will. Thank you, guys. Night-night. Stan, thank you so much. Uh, com, And yeah. really, please, folks, the takeaway from tonight, and I know, I, Joe, I think I can speak for you on this one as well, uh, pick up a copy of Dare to Prepare. If you have a copy, now's a good time to take it off the shelf and, and look through it. Uh, I don't know how I know this, but I feel like I really do know this, that uh, the Lord in his graciousness has given us a moment uh, in our lives, a, a period of respite, and we need to use that wisely. It's yes, like it, it, Joe. It's like it's like what Proverbs says: a um, uh, a prudent man sees danger and hides himself. The fool passes on and is punished. Joe, I'll hand it back to you. Is that how it goes? I thought a prudent man sees dangers and prepares accordingly. Well, it, it, I'll tell you what. It's interesting that you'd ask that question because it's uh, it's one of those verses that's actually in Proverbs twice. Uh, it's Proverbs 22, 3, but I also, I believe it's also in chapter 27. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it's right there in the inerrant word of God, so I, get, yeah. I think it's probably no, pretty, pretty important. <laughs> One last note here before we close out the broadcast. Senior Assad aid. Airstrikes in Syria mark end of U.S. empire. Listen to this. Syrian President Assad's envoy said on Sunday the American empire is poised to crumble, claiming without evidence that the joint missile attacks on Syrian chemical weapons sites were failures. The most important fact we should record here for Trump is that the missiles are not smart, not accurate, and that the Syrian air defenses have been giving evidence that they have smarter and more accurate missiles. He should be careful about his tweets that, according to uh Bothania Shaban claimed, according to Hezbollah-affiliated Lebanese group Al-Madin. In a joint operation with the U.S.-France chemical weapon sites, including storage facilities, were uh, uh, striked in the pre-dawn hours. Anyways, the article goes on to say Syrian air defense systems. Shaban falsely claimed that Israeli Israelis were fleeing to the air raid shelters but no such events took place. Anyway, this goes on to say that the West is destroying itself, especially the U.S., the U.K., and France. Evil aggression marks the beginning of the vanishing of their empires. That empire will be replaced by new forces which respect the humanity, sovereignty, and safety of peoples. As the sun rises from the East, the sun of the just and the free world will rise from here he concluded in reference to the Syrian capital of Damascus an ominous warning I don't know that article is up on Breitbart Assad aid airstrikes in Syria mark end of US empire is it a, a threat is it a indication or a warning as to what's to come or what's being planned I don't know but it sounds pretty dire but that- 